Phil Spencer just said a lot about the future of Game Pass, Activision Blizzard titles, and Call of Duty. In the wake of the Xbox Activision deal, many questions remain about when will games start hitting Game Pass? What will happen with Call of Duty and the backlog of Call of Duty titles? With such a massive catalog of titles, will we see remakes? Will we see remasters or just a sudden injection of a bunch of classic games that are now backwards compatible and on Game Pass? I made my own predictions and speculations about how Call of Duty might show up to Xbox's subservice because I I feel that's probably the most pressing thought and the most prominent title on the mind of the public. But Phil Spencer spoke on a lot more than that in a recent episode of the Xbox podcast on the official Xbox YouTube channel. And I put all the good info right here at the beginning. That way you don't have to go looking for it. This is a longer video because it's a live stream. So make sure you hit subscribe and the bell button so you don't miss out on the live shows. If there's one thing I have consistently said about Phil Spencer is that he is good with words. He's great for the brand. He's a very good frontman for Xbox. Even though I've been disappointed with Xbox this generation and I have actually been very critical of their strategies, I've always thought that Phil managed the showcases and the interviews very well. I've been on made stage events. I've done interviews with developers in these environments so I really appreciate the craft. And he was sort of in full Spencer mode on the official Xbox podcast. Now the title of that podcast is Phil Spencer on Activision, Blizzard King, and Xbox. So they're basically talking about everything that we can come to expect or everything that's going on. And it was actually, I thought, very informative. Now, first, I want to look at his commentary about Game Pass. He definitely is looking long-term, but he's also not looking at this year, primarily next year, and he's very honest about that. He speaks about the sheer number of titles that they have and what that's going to look like for Game Pass. Second, I want to look at his comments about Call of Duty. Some may be shocked by his candor. Others are assuming that he's lying. I think he gives a very subtle insight into just how much the console has changed as a priority for Xbox. Lastly, I want to look at his use of the word revisit. Uh, They have a lot of property. They've got a lot of famous franchises now. And the thought would be, are you going to start remaking some of those? Are you going to start remastering some of those? What will the Xbox loyal and the hardcore fans that have been very outspoken and critical of remakes and remasters, what will they think about that if that's something that starts landing on Game Pass? But up first, his comments about Game Pass. Now that the Xbox Activision deal is approved, many are asking, when will games start hitting Game Pass? Well, there is one thing that Phil Spencer wanted to make abundantly clear in a recent interview. You will have to wait until 2024 for that process to start. The question about Game Pass makes sense, and so does disappointment about having to wait. The Bethesda acquisition was certainly a lot faster in that regard. According to PC Gamer, almost immediately after closing the deal, Microsoft dropped 13 Bethesda games, including Dishonored, Skyrim, Fallout 4, and Prey on to Game Pass. So that definitely set an expectation, especially in light of how many titles and franchises fall under Activision Blizzard compared to ZeniMax and Bethesda. On the Xbox podcast where Phil Spencer spoke, he cited the longer regulatory process as part of the delay. He said the following, The regulatory process took so long and frankly there was a lot of uncertainty in that process up to a week before we closed or the week of when the CMA finally came down with their decision that we weren't able to get in and work with mostly Activision Blizzard in this case on the back catalog work. 
Now, the other element of this with the CMA's approval, there was the possibility of the investigation starting over, okay? Microsoft and Xbox were probably holding off on any of the preliminary work with the back catalog of Blizzard Activision. They were staring down the barrel of another potential long and arduous process with the regulator, with the CMA. It's like, let's just wait, was probably the attitude. Activision Blizzard is enormous. You know, ZeniMax was probably easier to have some of those preliminary conversations with. Now, Phil made sure to make it crystal clear that there are no surprises coming this year because many people thought there might be. He said, quote, I would love it. If there was some kind of secret celebration drop that is coming in the next couple of weeks, there's not. Now, he said that 2024, that's the target that is shared. Was Activision like tweeted that like I think like a week ago. He says that's accurate. He thinks that's when things are going to start to land. He wanted to clear this up. He said he wanted to be straight with people. And the truth is, he knows this is a bit of a disappointment. Many were sort of counting down the days and the hours of when this deal was going to close. And getting games on Game Pass was basically a central and primary reason that so many gamers were supporting this deal. And Phil acknowledged that waiting, it is a bit of a downer. He said, if we're going to put them in the subscription this year, I would tell people. And I know there's some disappointment about that. This acquisition is definitely long term, so the fact that we're not hitting day one with a bunch of games dropping into Game Pass is a little bit of a downer, but I'm very excited about the future. And I think taking time to do things Right, like flooding Game Pass could be destructive. It could be actually harmful to the subservice if you just suddenly added like 300 games to it. In a video about when Call of Duty will come to Game Pass, I uploaded a video about that and I speculated there would be a slow rollout just of Call of Duty in general, not to mention all of the other titles that they now own. The amount of content they own has to be properly assessed. You have to strategize about placement. You have to strategize about timing. Phil admits this is a daunting thing. He says, quote, the amount of franchises that we now have in our portfolio is kind of inspiring. It's daunting. I feel that we have to be a great custodian for that content that we touch. There are memories from people on different platforms. He says these are memories from different platforms in different decades. So obviously the concern here is twofold. If you just sort of flood Game Pass with every Activision title under the sun, it could do more harm than good. You could basically shoot all of your guns at once instead of spreading them out. Not to mention there is such a thing as there being too much of a good thing. If you go to an amazing restaurant and they bring out their 10 best dishes for you to eat, well, you can only eat so much before you have to stop. Choice paralysis on platforms like Netflix. It's a real thing. There's just too much there to choose from and it all starts to blend together and you don't see the individual value of all of those pieces. Game Pass would be no different. But the other aspect of this that I can sense Phil is being cautious about is how much nostalgia they now have. Properly harnessed, it could be an amazing asset to grow Game Pass. Handled poorly and you'll end up frustrating would-be fans or longtime fans. If old games are brought back and given no updates, no polish, no fixes, well, it could land in the worst way possible. The excitement about flooding Game Pass with classic or nostalgic titles would fade fast if the quality just isn't there. So Game Pass is about to get very, very full. You just might have to wait a while for that trickle to become a flood. But what about Call of Duty, right? Like, I think this is the question that everybody wants to know about, right? When, when is Call of Duty going to hit Game Pass? 
Under Xbox ownership, Call of Duty stands to be a contentious topic for anybody who plays the game on PlayStation. This has been a primary concern of the Activision Blizzard deal, because according to Phil Spencer, you actually have nothing to worry about. He actually did an interview on the Xbox podcast when they talked about this, the Activision Blizzard deal, and it was the perfect time for Phil to set the record straight, even if some people doubt that he is talking about all of Call of Duty. Now, in my video about Call of Duty coming to Game Pass, I said it would be likely a slow rollout in 2024, and Phil confirmed that nothing will hit Game Pass until 2024, but he doesn't know what that timing will look like. We don't exactly know. Is this going to be day and date for Modern Warfare 3? Is it going to be all of the classics? Well, Modern Warfare 3 is this year, so it would be whatever next year is. I have speculated that that would be Black Ops 1. I think they're going to go back and revisit Black Ops 1 and do the same thing. Go through all three. That would get them almost all the way to 2027. Well, that would get them all the way to 2027, roughly, as they've speculated and stipulated they've already planned Call of Duty out that far. My personal thought is that it is far more effective to do a few titles each month all year round. That fosters great marketing power and attention to be able to announce that every couple of weeks. It also motivates subscribers to stay on the subservice. But Phil Spencer spoke about more than just Game Pass timing. He took very direct question about PlayStation, about other platforms. He even sort of joked when the person said other platforms. He said, well, when we say other platforms, you mean PlayStation. His candor and his frankness didn't stop there. He spoke about parody as well as console sales. And it's all very interesting. So let's start with his comments about exclusivity and parody. First, before he really answered the question, he said, I want players on PlayStation and Nintendo in the future. Now, the little side about Nintendo... I'm still not sure about that. I'm doubtful Call of Duty ever happens on Nintendo. I think that whole thing was posturing. Nintendo had no details about how the deal would work. Xbox's own CFO had not even crunched the numbers on what it would look like to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo. I don't think there is market demand for Call of Duty on Nintendo, even if the new Switch is strong enough to give you a respectable version. Just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I'm happy to be wrong about that, but that's been my prediction for a while now he goes on to say because he's answering the question what about call of duty and landing on other platforms he says i don't want you to feel like there are content you're missing out on skins you're missing out on timing you're missing out on that's not the goal the goal is 100% parity across all platforms as much as we can for launch and content now he says The reason I'm saying as much as we can, right? He says, I say as much as we can on parity because clearly some platforms have resolution and frame rate differences just based on perf. So he's saying, listen, there's going to be times where you're not going to have the same resolution and frame rate. You know, he's probably thinking of the Series S. Maybe he's thinking of Nintendo, but you definitely are not going to get the exact same performance in Call of Duty depending on where you're playing it. Now, some have pointed out that he is answering a question in response to Modern Warfare 3, and that's all he's talking about. Like, everything Phil says in this section about parody and the Call of Duty community, he's only talking about Modern Warfare 3. I do not agree with this take or this interpretation. Phil's answer repeatedly refers to Call of Duty and Call of Duty players and the Call of Duty audience. If these statements get walked back in the future or denied or claim that, oh, I was just talking about Modern Warfare 3, 
I will not accept that. That will basically be a lie. He continued in his answer, and this is where I think he gives a big glimpse into just how much console is no longer a priority. This isn't news to some people, but I bet it's probably news to others that just haven't maybe been paying attention. He said the following. We have no goal of somehow trying to use Call of Duty to get you to buy an Xbox console. And you know what? I believe him. They are not focused on selling consoles. They constrain their own console production for the sake of increasing cloud. They have internally said that this generation is an ecosystem generation and not a console generation. This means trying to leverage Call of Duty for console sales would be counter to their own internal strategies and documents. He even said the following, I want the Call of Duty nation to feel supported across all platforms. We've been on the other side of some of those skins and times, even this beta. It wasn't on Xbox the first week. I don't think that helps the community i don't think that helps the game first and foremost i agree with what he's saying about the beta and timed exclusivity in games like this it doesn't help the game it doesn't help the community but the part about being on the other sides of skins and exclusivity and timing i distinctly remember xbox doing this during the 360 era in 2010 xbox signed a multi-year agreement to bring call of duty add-ons and map packs map packs first to Xbox, so I I, I hate to phrase it this way, but Xbox kind of started it in the realm of Call of Duty exclusivity, so being like, hey, we've been on the other side of it, well, yeah, you kind of started it. (laughs) It was a long time ago, and I know the pushback will be, listen, Xbox doesn't focus on that now. Now it's about more players in more places. Well, after ZeniMax, it's hard for me to take that seriously because that was supposed to be case by case and then he told them everything was now exclusive. But as I said, I actually agree with Phil Spencer about the beta. I don't think timed exclusivity for betas, maps, and other content pieces helps the game or the community. I was critical of PlayStation doing this with Hogwarts Legacy. I did a show about that. Feels like a bygone era to pay for items in the game and only have them available on one platform, like PlayStation paying to have those things made, and then I buy Hogwarts Legacy on PlayStation, you buy it on Xbox, and I get more content than you. I've never been a fan of that. I don't care who does it. I've always been against that. So I hope the following statement that Phil said ends up being true. He said, if you're a PlayStation player, a Nintendo player, a PC player, or an Xbox console player, I want you to feel 100% part of the Call of Duty nation. In my estimation, I think Call of Duty is going to be another Minecraft for Xbox. They do not see an angle that is profitable in disrupting the game's footprint and its presence across all platforms. They stand to make a ton of money from a piece of property just by owning it. Remember this from 2019. Think about this fact from 2019. Apple made over $8 billion on games in 2019, and that totaled more than Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, and Activision combined. All those guys added up. Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, Activision combined. Apple made more than them. Owning big and popular property can be very, very lucrative. Active Apple makes most of that from the 30% cut of sales and the microtransactions. They don't have a lot of their own games. Xbox now owns Call of Duty, as well as King Mobile. Everybody keeps forgetting that King Mobile was a huge aspect of this. I don't think their plan is to disrupt any of these revenue streams in the near 
future, really even long term. I imagine, as I said, Call of Duty will largely be treated like Minecraft. Let's keep it everywhere. If they put it on Nintendo, great. The goal would be, let's make money off of Call of Duty, not use Call of Duty as sort of a leveraging point for the ecosystem or the consoles or Game Pass. Those are very different strategies. In my mind, Call of Duty would be subsidizing other things, expanding cloud, creating other games, opening new studios, Who knows? It's a lot of money that they're suddenly going to be earning that they previously didn't have access to. So for now, I have to say, when it comes to Xbox owning Call of Duty, I believe Phil Spencer, and time will tell if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But what about Phil's use of the word revisit, right? He says revisit. He's like, ah, yeah, we're going to revisit games. What's he mean? Will Xbox start remaking and remastering Activision Blizzard titles? Well, according to Phil Spencer, that's a very, very strong possibility. The Xbox podcast interview had a ton of information in it, and the word revisit showed up. I can't help but think that Phil was intentionally avoiding the words remaster and remake because there is a bit of a stigma about remasters and remakes right now. It would seem foolish to not utilize a lot of the long-standing and more popular video games that Xbox now owns. Activision Blizzard holds some great titles in their catalog, and they now belong to Xbox. And nostalgia is a great driver for marketing and for sales. So I want to look at what he said, but I also want to consider what would some of the best candidates be for a remake or a remaster, right? What do you think? Like, what are some of the best titles that they could revisit, as he said, remake, remaster? What about a sequel, right? That could be there too. I'm going to mention one that I think could get a sequel that I think could be awesome for Xbox. But I also want to consider... What will the Xbox community's response be? Many of the very Xbox loyal fans have been vocally critical about remasters and remakes, decrying them as lazy cash grabs or claiming that they don't count when you're adding up all of the next-gen games or a catalog this year. Will their tune change if Xbox starts doing it? Well, let's just look exactly at what Phil said to begin with about this. They were speaking on the Phil Spencer on Activision Blizzard King podcast. It was Xbox's official podcast, and he said the following. He says, I do think with Game Pass that we have the ability to pick a couple franchises every year and almost do like a revisited version. I just made up that term. When you look across the franchises that are part of our teams, there's an opportunity to go back. Now, he says revisited version, and he's like, oh, I just made up that term. Yeah, you made that term up on the fly. I don't think he did. He's a wordsmith. He's he's well-spoken guy. I think he's always done a great job in interviews and showcases, and he's avoiding the term remake and remaster, which I think is unfortunate, okay? I don't think there should be such a stigma around the terms remake or remaster. Yes, some games like Skyrim went a little overboard, but by and large, I think gamers overreact to this concept like there's just this idyllic world in their mind where devs are never remaking or remastering we're getting nothing but new games remakes and remasters are often done by smaller teams and in quicker time than like a full-blown AAA release it's not like well if they wouldn't have done this remaster or this remake I would have gotten a new game you know I would have gotten some amazing new game that's not really the case that's sort of a like a a false division there there's generally not a lot of time and effort put into these comparatively to like a full triple a release i think people need to remember that sometimes you even have studios that excel at remakes and they're the ones doing it it's not a studio sort of saying 
well, we could make our third or fourth game and our sequel or whatever, but we're not going to. A lot of times, it's another team. And if done right, I think they can be a great value offer to long-term fans or maybe even folks who have never played the game. But it's clear that Phil is open to the idea, especially considering how much property they now have. Phil does say, however, that this needs to be done right. He says, I want to make sure when we go back and visit something that we do it with our complete ability, not just to create something for financial gain or a PR announcement and not deliver. You can see here he's pushing against the stigma around remakes and remasters. It's it's clear as day. He says revisit, but then he says this. He's like, we don't want to do this purely for financial gain or a PR announcement. He's basically saying, we don't want to do this just for PR. We don't want to do this just as a cash grab. That's essentially what he's saying. Now, you can even sense a little bit of frustration and some self-reflection. The Redfall announcement was basically a PR announcement and that game did not deliver. The Xbox showcase in 2022 where they said here's everything coming in the next 12 months. Well, almost half of those games didn't show up on time. Some have even been delayed to 2024. Not many say that, you know, that that was a good thing, okay? Now, some people might say that Phil is just saying these things to appease people. I feel that both this interview and the kind of funny interview, he is expressing genuine frustration with how things have gone. Now, hopefully that turns into a big push for quality and better releases and better launches because, listen, 2023 has been pretty inconsistent for Xbox. Redfall and Forza Motorsport are not bright spots for Xbox in 2023. Lots of over-promising and under-delivering in both titles. But Phil believes in letting teams do what they want. He said the following, If teams want to go back and revisit some of the things we have and do a full focus on it, I'm going to be all in. I think there's an amazing trove of games we can go and touch again. I think about things like Quake 2 Remaster that just came out from id Software. I thought that game was awesome. They did a really good job revisiting a game, making it current, and not leaving its history behind. So he considers the Quake 2 remaster a revisit right they did a good job revisiting that game so in phil's mind those terms are synonymous okay i agree with him the quake 2 remaster was fantastic and second they do have a lot of games now i recently did an upload i combed through the list i said look at all this look at everything they have so in light of that list what would make some good candidates for a remaster or a remake or a sequel don't forget That could fall under this category as well. So first, I think Crash Bandicoot would be a good start. Recognizable, iconic, been around for a long time. They've actually been doing Crash games the last couple of years. 2023, Crash Team Rumble. 2021, Crash Bandicoot on the run. 2020 was Crash Bandicoot 4. So... Some might look at that and say, no, 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 skip Crash. They're, they're doing Crash Bandicoot games right now. He's got a lot of recent games. But I think that would make a remaster or remake collection a very strong win if those new games have been sort of garnering a new audience and new fans. Another one that I personally would love to see is Pitfall. You might be like, Pitfall? Why would you do anything with Pitfall? Listen, Pitfall is a classic but I think they could revisit it and not remaster or remake it. Do a spiritual successor sequel, new Pitfall. Metroidvania that game up, right? Give me a whip. Maybe give me a gun. Give me all these different abilities. Do the Metroidvania thing, right? Look at how pretty Ori in the Blind Forest and Ori in the Will of the Wisps are. You could really make an amazing Pitfall with a lush jungle, 
do the parallax scrolling and the layered depth and an amazing soundtrack. You know, it'd kind of be like Indiana Jones, but, you know, Pitfall. I would absolutely love that. Another title that I think would be really good would be Prototype. Prototype 2 came out in 2012. That's 11 years ago. Suddenly dropping a next-gen Prototype 3 would be a nice look for Xbox. It would be nice to see a really good third-person action-adventure game on a platform that isn't PlayStation, okay? I know some people might be gun-shy about trying to do a third-person action-adventure game if you're not Gorilla, Sucker Punch, or Sony Santa Monica, you know, or Naughty Dog, you might be a little nervous. Like, wow, those are some of the best. We don't want to, you know, go toe-to-toe with them. Listen, I I think third-person action-adventure games are great. I don't think you want to hold back. Let's innovate. Let's push for quality. I think a Prototype 3 would be awesome. That would be a revisit, but that would be more of a sequel, okay? Now, a few honorable mentions, because people are going to be like, why didn't you mention some of these other ones? Soldier of Fortune, Spyro, and Tony Hawk, okay? Now, I have doubts about the relevancy of these titles in 2023 and beyond. You know, Soldier of Fortune especially, there's just so many shooters out there. Tony Hawk, I just, I don't know if that 90s grungy music-driven skater game could do well. People might be in the comments right now being like, what are you talking about? There's so many great games. Listen, I'm open to being wrong on that, but I'm not too sure that Spyro or Tony Hawk or Soldier of Fortune would work, but they deserve to be mentioned. They deserve some honorable mentions. Maybe they decide to go back and remaster and remake those games. Now, my last thought on this subject is, what will the Xbox community think of remakes and remasters? It's been a major point of criticism from some of the most vocal Xbox fans about PlayStation. Now, I'm sure this would be considered different since they would say, well, these are for Game Pass. We don't have... to buy them, okay? I, for one, would love to see good remasters and good remakes. I I would love for that to continue to be a thing. The consoles that we have now, they're at a level that developers probably only dreamed about 10 or 15 years ago. This is one of those times where I think gamers can overreact. They They can sort of say, listen, there were some bad remasters or some bad remakes or some obvious cash grabs. So then they conclude that every single time somebody does a remaster or a remake, it's a cash grab. It's a bad thing. I don't necessarily think so. I think we've seen some amazing work with things like the Demon Souls remake as well as The Last of Us Part 1 remake where they pour a lot of love and they really bring the game forward. You don't have to agree with me, but I think that's evidence that you can do remasters and remakes in a way that's both honoring as well as a big leap forward so whether phil spencer calls them revisits or remakes or remasters he's right about one thing they now have a treasure trove of games to come over the question is what games get brought to the future and what games get left behind so let me give you my thoughts and my conclusion on this the massive volume injection of games to xbox what they just acquired it's almost hard to fathom the task of revisiting these studios or visiting these studios and seeing what they have what they're working on what could they possibly be pushing to game pass that in and of itself is going to take time phil is going to get a lot of miles and a lot of planes traveling around all these studios just the timing of when to bring games to game pass when to hold off 
off, that will be a delicate balance. Unlike the Bethesda merger, this is not the time to just back the truck up and dump all the games on Game Pass. The second thing I want to say is this. Phil's statements about Call of Duty are probably the most interesting. Will we be coming back to these statements in a few years and concluding that he lied? Or is Call of Duty just another Minecraft for Xbox? Put it everywhere and make a ton of money from it. I also think his statement about not using Call of Duty to get people to buy an Xbox console, it just furthers my belief that my experience as an Xbox console gamer, I'm just not a top priority, and that's fine going forward. I know that now. I didn't know that three years ago when I brought when I bought a Series X. They're building a cloud-based ecosystem submodel, and that just doesn't interest me as much as the Project Scarlet interested me. Like, I'm just a different... Uh, consumer. I'm, I'm not landing in the same you know, field of value that you might be, and that's okay. It's good to have different things out there. Some people would never buy a Nintendo Switch, and over 129 million people bought a Nintendo Switch. So it's okay to know your preferences and what to expect. I'm just seeing that Xbox is drifting into a category that does not appeal to me nearly as much as it did when I was looking at all the marketing in 2020. My conclusion is this. Xbox has a big task ahead of them. Expectations about Game Pass and all the Activision titles are pretty high. More than that, all the talk about, let us compete, and, well, Sony's been making things hard on us, right? We're in third place. Well, that's all a thing of the past now. Both loyal fans and skeptics are looking to see if this is the turning point for Xbox. Will Call of Duty and all these other Activision titles, will they be enough? Will a steady stream of remasters and remakes, will they be celebrated? Or will they be criticized? Well, just like all the Activision games coming to Game Pass in 2024, we're going to have to wait and see. And that's the show open. Thank you guys so, so much for being here. I saw the chat moving like crazy during the show open. Rissick with five and a single. That's six. I'm seeing I'm seeing ten from... Uh, did, did Alex do two tens? You guys are going to have to help me out. My fan funding page is completely glitched out. 26. That's right. You guys are absolutely insane. Uh, let me get this set up here. 26 from Rissick. And Alex, thank you guys so much for going crazy. Already hitting the first 25 of the day and blowing past it and doing Agents of Chaos during my monologue. Let me give you guys... Oh my gosh, I'm here. (laughs) I hit the wrong thing. Listen, let me give you guys a little clue here. We are now actually... Let me update this. We are at 2,400, roughly. You're like four or five beneath that. We're at 2,400. You only need 100 more members to hit 2,500, so we will do Fright Night next week. If you guys hit that before Friday, I'll give you a double Fright Night, because this Friday night, it'll be just me, and we'll be able to do something with a VR game and a mic that I've never done before. It should be a really good time. If you guys manage to hit that this week instead of next week, I'll give you two streams. Just a little incentive. Doomslayer with 14 months. Are you going to stream Spider-Man 2 on launch? The plan tomorrow is to do nothing but gameplay. Spider-Man in the morning and then some Mario Wonder afterwards. So there's literally no way I would skip out on that. Friday night, I I you know, I don't want to play 
Spider-Man or, or, or Mario Wonder uh, on a Friday night, you know, that's usually like a goof-off time, a drink time. I don't have people, like, not showing up uh, to be there. So, you're not playing Spider-Man 2 Friday? Y'all are so weird. I'm talking about Friday night. Like, y'all are like, you're not going to play Spider-Man? No, I'm going to play Spider-Man in the morning, and then I'm going to play Mario Wonder. A uh, Friday night's just not a good time for that. It just isn't. It wouldn't, like... Usually we're just hanging out and laughing and having some drinks, and I play a game for like an hour to an hour and a half. The vibe on Friday nights have changed a little bit. So, yes, <laughs> I would not skip out on Spider-Man. <laughs> Gee, Christmas. Oh, it's like one of my most anticipated games this year. A five bomb from Ron M. He says, come on, y'all. We can hit this number. No sweat. The members slowed down a little bit last month and this month, but we are bouncing back. Thank you guys so much for jumping in. Are you done playing Starfield? Yeah, I haven't gone back to Starfield at all. I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I just wasn't enjoying myself. Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty has gotten a lot of my attention. Sadly, our schedules got so messed up. My in-laws were in town this last weekend. My parents were in town the weekend before. My sister-in-law's in town this weekend. Three weekends in a row. I've got people in my house, so I haven't got the game nearly as much. So I wanted to get uh, Phantom Liberty done before Spider-Man came out. I don't know if I have time for that. I might try to slam it out tonight. I feel like I'm kind of close to the end. I put in like 22 hours or something like that. So... I wanted to do that before Spider-Man came out, but then I've all of my weekends got claimed by my parents and then in-laws, and now another 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 in-law. It's just that time of year. I don't know what's going on. Everybody just decided it was time to go to Kentucky, and I was like, okay, I guess I don't get to play video games. <laughs> That's what happens when you're 42 and you're married and you have two children. Like video games do not do not uh, they don't get to uh, have any veto power. So. Get it all fixed. Great. Great. Just like this morning, I had plumbers in my house fixing stuff, so that's that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. $5 Super Chat tip from Minerva Lopez. With the length of time some of these games take, a faster remake, remaster would be a great in-between new game release. I could not agree more, Minerva. Like, let's talk about that, because I actually think that's, that's, there's, there's, we can talk about Call of Duty, we can talk about parody, we can talk about Game Pass, but the remakes and the remasters, I'm really curious what the super loyal Xbox fans are going to say, because a lot of them have been very critical of remasters and remakes. And we have almost completely switched to me wearing Into the AM every day. If you guys like this shirt, use the use the shirt link. Um, and we already had some coffee orders uh, this morning. Some people have already submitted their coffee orders, so thank you so much for doing that. Get those coffee orders in. All that supports... The channel and supports me. Uncle Brada with 14 months. Don't forget to buy some coffee. He says, awesome stuff. There's a testimonial right there in the chat for the coffee. Eugene says, I appreciate you reminding me to never have children. <laughs> Come on. They're a joy. They're wonderful. You just never, ever get to do what you ever want ever again. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm <coughs> partially kidding. Anyway, let's talk about the remasters and the remakes. Because I really, really agree with what was said in the Super Chat from Minerva. It usually can be done faster, a remake or a remaster. It usually can be done with a smaller team, and it's a great in-between. Now, I know there are extreme examples of games that were like, can we stop? Like, hey, Skyrim, can you just stop? Like, enough is enough. 
Like, I get that. I, I, I totally get that. I know you weren't kidding, Eugene. I, but I don't think that means that every time somebody wants to do a remake or a remaster, that it's somehow a problem. It's a cash grab, whatever. Like, really think about the amount of games that Xbox now owns. Why would you be against remaking or remastering some of those things? I actually think my pitfall idea is great. I would, oh my gosh, I would love that. I would love to be a part of a project like that. Honoring Pitfall, but basically doing like a super awesome Metroidvania, like Indiana Jones meets Hollow Knight and Ori in the Blind Forest. Like, oh, please make that game. That would be that'd be so awesome. Um, DK Beggar with a single gifted member. Thank you so much. You guys don't need to drop the big bombs like Alex and others. You guys can do singles. Let's get a little member train going. You guys can hit 2,500 today. I believe it. Don't forget, mine counts, so I already owe you five. Like, my members that I gift count in the total. Babbling Bike with 14 months, and it's a VIP. Morning Lono and chat, keep rocking it. Thank you so much. I take remakes of great games over broken new games. We'll see, even how you're framing that, Toilet Drummer, what a name, even how you're framing that feels like you're setting up two false choices. You don't have to, it's not either or like, well, it's either going to be new games uh, or or remakes. No, we can do both, right? We, We can, you can do both. You don't have to just do one. And I agree with you. I would much rather get remakes and remasters and like games that they're just trying to like rush to market. Here's a big new AAA game. And it's like, it's not even ready, right? Rex Sterling says, I'm addicted to Reforge at this point. Love how he covers the whole industry so I don't live in an echo chamber. Yeah, I looked at the channel uh, this morning and I love the variety. I love how like we spent a bunch of time on PlayStation. Now we're spending a bunch of time on Xbox. Spider-Man's tomorrow. Like, it's been really, really fun. I really appreciate the last couple of weeks. You guys just accepting and embracing and supporting just nothing but all over the place topics. That really, really is exciting to feel like we can kind of cover anything. There it is, Patrick Q. Patrick Q comes in and gifts a member. Thank you so much for doing that. Takes us to 33. Help out Patrick and help out DK Bager, guys. Don't let them do single gift. It's all by themselves. <laughs> Creature says, can you take the day off? I don't want to have to ban all of your alts. Some people just can't let it go. Thoughtful content creation. I appreciate that. Thank you, Broken Lobo been gaming for 45 years i'm a ps gamer only uh that doesn't do console wars i say xbox didn't finish strong is disingenuous disingenuous great showcase great showcase doesn't do anything for me the showcase in 2022 was great too and half the games they said were coming in the next 12 months didn't show up a good showcase is nothing that's not a win i don't care about showcases like, I like to watch them. I like to cover them. Everybody said that Xbox won the showcase and Sony lost, and then Sony had the, the, one of their best months of the year, and Xbox went down in June. So, like, nobody really cares about showcases. Five spot from Cristiano Souza. Lowell, you the man, bro. Had a great almost two months here. Keep on crushing. Thank you so much, Cristiano Souza. Now, you said I'm being disingenuous. You say they fixed Redfall. You want to talk about being disingenuous? You just said they fixed Redfall. I'm even seeing hardcore Xbox fans not claim that. Like, what are you talking about? Closed on ABK. Again, that is not what I was talking about. I said 
they had an inconsistent year. I didn't say that they didn't finish strong. I said they had an inconsistent year. I said both Redfall and Forza Motorsport were over-promising and under-delivering. If you think this was a knockdown, drag-out, dunker of a year for Xbox, I feel like your standards are a lot lower than mine. That's fine. That's fine. If your standards are lower than mine, you probably can enjoy almost any video game. But, like, no, this was an inconsistent year. I do not agree with that. I don't agree with it. Oh, they finished strong. Redfall has not been fixed. It was a disaster. They added 60 FPS later. Cleaning up a mess you made is not worthy of, like, confetti in the air. And Forza Motorsport's another example of a game they made promises, and they didn't make good on those promises. Two gifted members, one from Cristiano Souza, one from Rex Sterling, PlayStation fan, setting up a really, really nice 35 out of 50. Thank you so, so much. And we got Raymond hitting six months of memberships. I might not always agree with you, but saying that I love your content and your honesty. Keep being you and keep up the honesty. Thank you so much. And five bomb from Alex setting up a 10 bomb dunker. That's a layup. Look how clean that looks. 40 out of 50. What an easy score there from Alex. Thank you so much, Alex. Absolutely carrying the member count on his back. Why do you think Forza wasn't a great game? Because the users are are scoring it low. It's scoring low on Steam. It's scoring low on the Xbox Store. It's It's scoring low everywhere. I don't care what the review outlets say when the users are giving it like a 40 and a 50%. They also promised a bunch of t- a bunch of features and a bunch of graphical fidelity that's not there. Watch Digital Foundry's breakdown. Listen to anybody. Listen to anybody who's being honest about that game and no one is saying it's a triumph. They're all like, this is not at all what you promised us. Quit, quit giving them a pass. Like, today is about... Phil Spencer's like, Game Pass, Activision, remakes, remasters, Call of Duty. And you're in here, like, giving them a pass on Forza Motorsport. Why, bro? Why? Quit giving them a pass. Forza was good in the 90s? Oh, you're saying the old Forza. A gifted member from Big O. A gifted member from PWH Down, taking it to 42. Thank you guys so much for the double gifteds. 13 months and a VIP from Poe Buddies Nerfic. Good morning, Lono. Love the show. PWH Down with three months and a member plus. Sup, Lono? Gonna order some coffee, and if my acidity isn't balanced, I'm leaving you a negative review on Steam. Didn't GT get a 2.3 user score? Yes, they got shredded for bad microtransactions. They fixed them, and now uh, GT7 has a 4.2 in, this, in the PlayStation Store. So, user scores matter. Fixing your games matter. I will never act like Gran Turismo launched in a good state. It didn't. Was there a pattern that year of bad launches? They launched with bad microtransactions and a bad structure. The community revolts, and they walked it back. Again, you got to go to Metacritic. I'm going to user scores on the platforms. What's amazing to me is DK Beggar with another gifted member. What's amazing to me is how quickly you dismiss your fellow gamers. It's got a bad score on Steam. I uh, that doesn't matter. Those people's opinions of the game doesn't matter. What that's got a bad score on the Xbox store. Well, those people's opinions don't matter. They're your fellow gamers. They're your fellow Xbox compadres. They're they're on Game Pass. A gifted member from Joker Quinn. Here's what drives me crazy about conversations like this, like with Forza Motorsport. You started the conversation, not me. I talk about 
Game Pass this year, not getting anything that's going to be next year. The massive potential that they have. What about remakes? What about remasters? What about Phil Spencer's commitment to Call of Duty? And what are you in here doing? You're in here literally like stump speeching for a game that didn't give you what was promised. Like that sentence, they overpromised and underdelivered. It's so upsetting to you that you've now taken a conversation about all these other great things for Xbox and you're like, but hang on a minute. For 28 minutes you talked about Xbox and you said one sentence. You said one sentence about Forza Motorsport over-promising and under-delivering and and that really hurt my feelings because I'm enjoying the game. It's an objective fact that they overpromised and underdelivered. They did not give you what they showed you. They did not give you what they promised to you. Your inability to hold them accountable is your own problem, not mine. If you can't hold a platform accountable for telling you, we're going to give you eight pieces of cake and they give you two without sprinkles and they tell you, well, the other pieces of cake are coming later and sorry about the icing. It's not the right flavor. And you're like, that's fine. I just like cake. The rest of us are saying, that's not what you promised us. Any anybody anybody that was watching that game and the marketing for that game and looking forward to that game is like, what is this? This isn't what you promised us. It's okay to just speak honestly about those things. It's not hate. It isn't hate. It was one sentence in a 28-minute monologue, and you zero in on it like it's a problem to just speak frankly about the fact that that Forza Motorsport did not deliver to you a complete product at the level of fidelity that they promised. That's fair to say. I didn't say, terrible game, bad game, trash game, get rid of your Xbox. I, I, I said, they overpromised and underdelivered. Doc, talk to him. Talk to him, Doc. <laughs> Stop arguing with your chat, it isn't worth it. Is this your first day here? Do you not know what we do? We have discussions and debates and dialogue. It's enjoyable. It's fun. And I want to talk about, which this is what we're going to talk about now. Yeah, arguing with the chat is literally the show. That's the show. Reforge Gaming. Come and argue. <laughs> that's that's our slogan. Have you played it? I don't need to play Baldur's Gate 3 at length to know that it's getting excellent reviews and the customers are really satisfied and it's headed for game of the year. I can look at what everybody's saying. I can look at the critical acclaim. I can look at the commercial uh, success. I can look at the consumer response and I can say, this game's headed for game of the year. Forza Horizon 5 looked better than me than Forza Motorsport and that's not good. My issue, my issue with Forza Motorsport is they promised you this and they didn't give it to you. The only point I was making in the monologue when I referenced Forza Motorsport, as I said, this has been an inconsistent year. Hi-Fi Rush. Starfield. Depends on who you are, but Starfield, okay? Hi-Fi Rush was like the high point. The beginning of the year was so big. Like, we had the Dev Direct. You had Hi-Fi Rush, Shadow Drop, Whoa, here we go. And then Redfall happened. 
Now keep in mind, the person that brought this up said that they fixed Redfall. What? I have not even seen the biggest Xbox fans in the world claim that. Okay. So I said it's been an inconsistent year. I said Redfall and Forza Motor- Motorsport overpromised and underdelivered. That's all I said. If 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 that is worthy of of scrutiny, debate, or the claim that, like I'm hating on Xbox, well, you're never going to enjoy your time here because that's about the tamest I can be without like speaking like a children's program and being like, I want you to feel safe and, and calm and count to three because I'm going to say something about a game that you like. Like, come on. I should be able to say something like that. That's pretty meager. That's pretty meager. Now, the real thing that I want to talk about Notice the guy that said it's gone. That's typical. Right? Anyway, I want to talk about remakes and remasters. Because Bill Spencer says the word revisit. Right? Revisit. And I think he's avoiding remake and remaster because he knows there's a stigma. He even says, we don't want to do this just for PR. We don't want to do this just for money. Right? What do people commonly say about remakes and remasters? They're just they're just nostalgic cash grabs, right? Hi-Fi Rush was liked by most. Starfield seems to be 50-50. Motorsport came and went. It didn't look as good as promised. See, there there's an honest Xbox fan. Thank you. It's refreshing. Good night. Be like Doc. This man got called out on Twitter and he's going to change his whole YouTube channel. <laughs> Anyway, <clears throat> anyway, it, what do you think the reception's going to be to remakes and remasters? What? Do you, do you think the Xbox community, the Xbox loyal, the podcasters, the YouTubers, the, the Twitter warriors, if, as Phil says, a couple of games a year, if they're doing a couple of remakes and remasters a year, what do you think the reception is to that? Do you, do you think, (laughs) I love you, Doc. Do you think that that's like, is that celebrated? Is it criticized? Do do people couch it as like, oh, this is different because um, it's on Game Pass. We we don't have to buy it. Is that the issue? Older games get a pass, says Daniel Lawson. I actually was going to say earlier in the conversation, I think you're right that if you go back far enough, people are like, that's fine. If it's a game from, like, early 2000s, people are like, that's fine. If it's a game from a couple of years ago, I think that's when people are like, yo, what's going on here? What? You just did You just did that. This comes up, like, every two weeks now. People only complain about remakes and remasters when it's a game they don't like. The minute it's a game that they want to replay, no problem at all. Sheer hypocrisy. I think that's an excellent point, Derek, that if you're like, look, man, like what I said with Pitfall. Now, what I described with Pitfall was not a remake or a remaster. It was literally like a reimagined Metroidvania Pitfall, like, you know, Ori in the Blind Forest meets Indiana Jones kind of a thing. It's not about remakes and remasters, says Doc. It's about the length between the game and the remaster. Right, because we've seen some pretty bad offenders. Skyrim is probably the worst offender in this department. You know, every other week there was a new Skyrim. For a second, I thought we were going to start buying, like, 
here's the Coca-Cola version of Skyrim. You know, that's what it felt like for a while there. And people took issue with The Last of Us because it was like, hey, didn't you just do a remaster? So people are like, you just did a remaster. Why would you do a remake? There's an enormous difference between a remaster and a remake, but that gets lost in the kerfuffle of dishonest people and, you know, people that are being overly critical. If you actually looked at the two, they were completely different. There were people that were like, I just bought the remaster. This feels like a cash grab. I think those were the only people who had a legitimate gripe. Everybody else has never played the game and doesn't own the system. I'm dead serious. Anytime I had that discussion with people, it was like, you don't even own the system. You've never played the game. You've never bought the game. You have no dog in this fight. You're showing up to a fight where you don't have a dog in the fight and you're just barking from the sidelines. Just just be quiet. There were people that had a genuine complaint. It's like, I just bought the remaster. What in the world? I, I think that was a genuine gripe. I think that amount of people compared to the amount of people like me that were like, oh my gosh, a remake of this game? This is awesome. I think there were way more of us. I, I do. I think there were way more people that benefited from that than were like, had a valid criticism. You don't have a valid criticism if you don't own the system and you don't, if you've never played the game or bought the game. Just be quiet. Let the adults talk, okay? Doc says, didn't they remaster The Witcher 3 for free? BMX Radio with seven months. Hang on. Lono, if Activision could only revive one of their legacy franchises, what would you pick? Me personally, I'd choose Guitar Hero. You're wanting to know if they would revive one? I, I said Prototype 3. I would love to see Xbox with an amazing third-person action-adventure game. I would. For a couple of reasons. <laughs> Can I make fun of Lono for murdering that metaphor? Is he going to ban me again? <laughs> you don't have a dog in the fight, but you're going to show up and bark from the sidelines. I think that's pretty good. James Thomas with a $10 Super Chat tip. Remakes of dormant IPs is different than remastering or remaking a three- to five-year-old game uh, that still looks good and holds up. Doesn't make sense. Tealu Remaster is more complete on PlayStation 4K60 with Faction. Yeah, I mean, there's room to disagree there. I think that truly taking that up to next-gen graphical fidelity is was important for, I think, the platform and for people like me, late adopters. I think PlayStation knows they are converting people that had never been in their ecosystem before. That's something I think a lot of people are forgetting. A a lot of people are forgetting that. That they are currently converting non-PlayStation people to their ecosystem at an insane degree. And they're like, we need to have games for them. It's 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 that simple, right? It it's it's that simple. So in in my mind, that would be an issue. This guy says now playing the game matters. This guy is a clown. Just as you played Forza, it doesn't matter. There are different conversations. You're on like your fifth alt because you're a coward. But I'll I'll take this because I want to smack you around the room because you're ignorant and you deserve it. There's a big difference between me saying. I can assess a game's quality without playing it by looking at review scores and user scores, critical reception, commercial reception. I can assess a game's quality. I can. I can look at Forza Motorsport and say, based on Digital Foundry's tech breakdown, they did not give you what they promised. That's an objective claim that can be proven mathematically. This is called objective truth, something that 
people like you struggle with because you think every opinion is valid and you can just say, oh, it's subjective and you can dismiss objective truths. You can objectively measure if a game gives you what they promise. We're going to give you this. We're going to give you 4K ray tracing, 60 FPS. No, they didn't do that. The ray tracing is not at the fidelity that they promised. It's not like anything that they showed. Missing tracks, missing features. Those are objective truths. I can assess the game's quality without playing it. Complaining about a remaster or a remake of a game you never bought, never played, That's just utter foolishness. Just be quiet. If they right now did a remake or a remaster of Prototype 1, and I was like, that's ridiculous. What a ripoff. What a cash grab. That would be disingenuous. I've never bought Prototype. I've never played Prototype. So it would be disingenuous for me to speak into that reality as if I can comment on a game ripping people off or ripping me off when I never even bought it or played it. So you just played yourself. Like, that's such an easy, easy dunk on... How many alts are you going to make, by the way? There's a giant difference between the two. If you've never owned the system, never played the game, that would be like me being irritated that Nintendo is remaking a game that I never bought. Let's say there was some game from the Nintendo Wii U era, and they decided to remake it or remaster it, and me would be like, what a cash grab! I can't believe they're doing this! Did you buy it? No. Did you play it? Well, no. Then shut up! Like, who cares what you think? That's the point. Thank you, James Thomas, for two spots. So, Tlu Two needs a remaster. Honest opinion. I mean, this is what I think they're doing. Whether or not you like it or accept it is not determinable. Like, well, I mean, I guess you could voice it, but that doesn't determine whether or not they should or like shouldn't do it. Okay. If they do a Tlu Two remaster. My hope would be it would be like the director's cuts they did with Death Stranding and Ghost of Tsushima. That would be my hope. That they would say $10 upgrade for people that already own it. And then someone like me would be thrilled to get a next-gen version of it. Why? As I said a little bit ago, I think PlayStation knows they are converting new consumers. They likely can see the ratio of new PlayStation accounts to PlayStation 5 sales, and they're saying, we're going to have a ton of people in our ecosystem this time around that have never played any of those games. So let's take our best first-party titles, let's bring them all up. They do the free update to 2018 Ragnarok, they do the updates to, they do the remaster Spider-Man, they do director's cuts to Tsushima and Stranding, they, you know, they do uh, The Last of Us Part 1 remake, then they're going to be doing whatever they do to Last of Us Part 2. You can look at it and be like, that's stupid, that's dumb, what, what's Naughty Dog doing? Again, I said the same thing about Xbox just a second ago. Xbox has a ton of stuff they can remake and they can remaster. And it's usually a smaller team, it usually doesn't take nearly as much time. We create this false division of like, well, they're either making a brand new AAA game or they're wasting their time on a remake or a remaster. It's like, no, they're usually smaller teams. Doesn't take as much money. It can help subsidize the next game. You're creating a base level standard for all of your new people. They all come in and they buy a brand new PlayStation 5. They create a brand new account. It's like, look at this sea of next gen quality games you can buy instead of 
here's a handful of next-gen games and a bunch of backward compatibility games. Like, the, the difference there, I think they're making a choice that they have determined is the right business choice. You can, you can criticize it all you want, but Sony is dead now. I, th- th- look at the revenue reports. Their console saturation every month, it's absurd. It's absurd how, how, how good they're doing this generation. And looking at Game Pass... It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how quickly we just keep going to PlayStation in this discussion. I think it's fair to go to PlayStation in this conversation about remakes and remasters. I think that's fair. But remakes and remasters, the question that I have, what do you think the Xbox loyal, the Xbox vocal, what are they going to say about that? They've been very critical. A single gifted from Sorcerer sets up a nice one at 45 out of 50. Five more to to take us home to 50. Thank you so much, Sorcerer. Boss Man Dave with two spot. Prototype makes sense. It's a 10 plus year old game. T. Lou doesn't. What's fantastic about the market is just don't buy it. It's, I mean, it's that simple. I told people the same thing about Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut. You don't want the 3D audio. You don't want the new, uh, the new synced-up voice acting. You don't want all the new stuff that they did. Don't buy it. Ten dollars. Oh, somebody did a ten bomb. Oh my gosh, Keithius did a ten bomb. Oh my, sorry. That takes us to fifty-five. How did I not see that? Fifty-five out of 75 well that's actually a nice setup for a 20 bomb we'll see if any of the big boys take it i am so sorry keithius with the 10 bomb when did that happen oh you know why i didn't see that i scrolled back up to dunk on the dum dum that did like you know he's making like 10 accounts uh, i also didn't thank darth biscuit with seven months and he says i hate when you use big words i'm not even saying false dichotomy anymore i'm saying false division No, I don't want him to have one. Uh, you didn't see the 10-bomb because you were busy smacking a guy across the room. That's right. Lawson thought Lono. Yeah, well, I scrolled up in chat, so I didn't see it. As a biased PC gamer and only owning a PS4, I need PS Plus app to be improved on PC. That's a that's a whole other subject. A five bomb from Rock and Robin and a twenty bomb from Javier Cotto, bringing the heat. This man never fails to heat the room up, and he takes us all the way to eighty in the blink of an eye. Javier Cotto, the man himself, one of the funnest names to scream. I feel like I'm shout casting a soccer match. And Butters comes in with twenty two months and a member plus and says, "Hope y'all are not buying Modern Warfare three then." And that's a remake, remaster from the ground up of Modern Warfare 2 2022 and OG Modern Warfare 3. That's a fact. And a 10 spot from Tanner. Lono, talking about the T. Lou remaster, you don't have a valid criticism if you've never bought or played the game. Let the adults talk. Also, Lono, Forza Motorsport sucks. So you're literally paying me $10 to restate the same thing the previous guy did. And I said they are completely different conversations. 
I can assess a game's quality without playing it. I've done that with Baldur's Gate 3. I can look at the Metacritic, the critical acclaim. I can look at the Steam scores. I can look at the sales charts. I can look at the user scores on PlayStation. And I can say that is an award-winning game. I don't have to touch it to come to that qualitative conclusion. Forza Motorsport, I've never said that it sucks. I've said numerous times they overpromised and under-delivered. They said, we're going to give you these things, and they don't give you those things. Just because you have no standards and you're okay with being lied to doesn't mean that the rest of us are suckers like you. You Tell me you're a sucker without telling me you're a sucker. You're okay being lied to and you just gave me $10 to have me do another round of... Breaking down the categorical difference between assessing a game's quality and assessing whether or not the game gave you what they promised. If you can't tell the difference between those two things, then you're just going to keep buying and playing games that don't give you what they promised because you're a sucker. So thanks for the 10 bucks, sucker. Like, Jiminy Christmas. It's not scandalous to say... They promised you something you didn't get. It's not scandalous. The, 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 the idea that like we shouldn't say that about Forza Motorsport. I never said that the game sucked. It's a bad game. It came out too early. It's not ready. Why are you so emotional about a game you've never played? I'm not emotional. I said during the show open, I said... This has been diff this has been an inconsistent year for Xbox. I said that Redfall and Forza Motorsport were symptoms of overpromising and underdelivering. The fact that that sentence continues to make us go back here. I now have trolls tipping me money because that's what I said. Look at how ridiculous the state of Xbox fandom is if that statement is a problem. That Forza Motorsport overpromised and underdelivered. Like that's just too much for that that brain to take. Like the I love everything Xbox does brain just can't process that information. It's too much. Some Xbox fans ruin everything. How do we get here? Well, because I'm being positive about Xbox. So they show up to be like, well, let's make sure and, and, and make up false claims. Like he says, Forza Motorsport sucks. I never said that it sucked. It's a bad game. Good games don't get 50% in the storefront from the home base user. Buy spot from St. Nil. Lono's assessing the quality of game while others' argument is assessing a game's right to exist. Yeah, they're completely different categories. If you're going to argue whether or not a remaster or a remake should exist and you've never bought the game, you've never owned the game, and you're talking about like, oh, it's a freaking cash grab, you never bought it. It doesn't matter to you. That's not the same as saying, well, they promised you all these great features in Forza Motorsport. You didn't get them. It's amazing. Like, some of y'all literally don't have the ability to engage in just normal adult conversation. I could sit here and talk for an hour about this is amazing this is going to be a great year for xbox 2023 was inconsistent because they kind of over promised and under delivered on redfall and forza motorsport it's like what did he say it's like 
I, I, I said that they overpromised and over, underdelivered on Forza Motorsport. Yeah, well, you never played it, pony. It's like I am literally just looking at the Digital Foundry tech breakdown, the the things they said you would get that you didn't get, and the review scores from Xbox users and the review scores from Steam. I mean, that seems like a, a pretty fair way to assess a game. You haven't played it. Okay. Do you know what we're going to do? I got to thank some super chats. I've tried to ask multiple times, what do you think the Xbox loyals response will be to remakes and remasters rhythmically showing up on Game Pass and look at what we're doing. Well, what about Tilu? What'd you say about Forza Motorsport? What <laughs> We're not even going to get to talk about what's the Xbox loyal going to think about remasters and remakes. What are they going to think? What are they going to think? I'll tell you what they're going to think. Time to talk about Sony. Well, Sony did it. <laughs> like It's clear where we're going to go. The first couple of remasters and remakes that show up, you know what's going to happen? The ponies on Twitter are going to start prancing around and saying, ah, look at you, you're doing remasters and remakes. I'm on record as being fully in support of remasters and remakes. I think they're great if they're done properly. So I'm not against it at all. You're not going to hear that from me, unless they're bad. Like, if they're bad, we'll judge them according to the quality of a remaster and a remake and something that you, you know, you want to see. Like, you don't want an old game, you know, being mistreated. But... The ponies will start prancing, and then the Xbox guys are going to fly back at them and hurl it back and say, yeah, well, you did it first. You, you said it was fine when Sony did it, and it's just going to be a big mess. Instead of talking about, like, how great, you know, Pitfall Remake is or <laughs> how great Prototype 3 is or whatever, I actually have very specific reasons why I want a Prototype 3. I really, really do. I, I, I have very specific reasons for Prototype 3. Darth Biscuit with a $5 Super Chat tip. That the duck may swim on the lake... But my daddy owns the lake. Huh? Uh, James Thomas with a $5 Super Chat tip. Gran Turismo 7, Horizon Forbidden West, God of War Ragnarok, PlayStation exclusive moments. Later we have these games coming to PS4. Blatant lie to the whole player base with classic bait switch. That's factually false. They never said any of that. You you watched a podcast that lied to you. They never said that those games were going to be PlayStation 5 exclusives. The We Believe in Generations uh, interview, if you actually read the entire interview, the very next paragraph, he establishes that there will be a couple of years of cross-generational support because they had over 120 million PlayStation 4s in circulation. Surprise, surprise, we're trying to have an Xbox stream and talk about Xbox's future and a nice little sit-down here with Phil Spencer and you're too busy hating on PlayStation. Like, you can't do it. You can't exist without frothing at the mouth with falsehood about the other platform. Like, you don't have the ability to do it. You can't even engage in a podcast about your platform. It's not possible. Silent Warrior with 25 months. Why do people think constructive criticism is hating on something? Being critical of Microsoft will help them improve. Giving them a pass for mediocre games only reinforces the idea they can get away with it. That's why I called that guy a sucker. You're a sucker. They literally gave you a half-baked, half-delivered game missing features that were promised and you don't care. You don't. You don't have any standards. And that's a you problem. You come to me with your zero standards and interpret everything as hate. No, the problem is you don't have any standards. Sam with a gifted... 
takes us to 81. Thank you so much. And C. Lou hits six months and a member plus. We're talking about the narrative of lying. Yes, and you're doing a bang-up job lying yourself. What you are saying is simply false. What you're saying was false. There was never a time where they said Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok would be PS5 exclusives. That's not true. It doesn't even stand to reason. They developed them too fast for that. They literally developed them in the existing engines. They started working on them almost instantly after the previous games were developed. What you're saying is simply untrue. For somebody who seems upset about lying, you're doing a bang-up job yourself. It was never stated. There was a single trailer. Gran Turismo 7 had text in the corner that made it seem as though, yeah, that was going to be exclusive to PS5. You'll find it. Good luck. Go read the actual entire interview where Jim Ryan said, we believe in generations. Read the whole thing. Not the yanked out of context, misrepresentative Xbox podcast summary of we believe in generations. Actually read the whole interview. Because I'm not kidding you. In the very next paragraph, he establishes that there will be a time of cross-generational support. They had like over 100 million PlayStation 4s in circulation. There was never going to be a world where they were going to boot up and be like, PS4 is in the dust now. We're PS5 now. They were never going to do that. That's a lie that's been sold to you by smear merchants and liars. They don't make content. They make propaganda. And they've told you that over and over and over again. So you believe that it's true. A supporter donated 10 bucks to your channel and you go personal. Be better. I will be better without you here. He gave $10 to take a swipe. You you could give me $1,000. That doesn't mean you can take a swipe and, and be a jerk. That doesn't. He didn't say, hey, I have a question. He took a swipe. We'll be better off without you too because you just come in and do the same thing. You bait chat. Instead of talking about the topic, Ted, you immediately were like, well, hang on a minute. And you drug us down into this weird, like, I got a campaign for Forza Motorsport. It's just bizarre to me that I can spend 27 minutes carefully walking through. I didn't take a single cheap shot. I've been like very carefully constructing the monologues and you become almost incensed at the idea that I said Forza Motorsport overpromised and underdelivered like I th- the fact that that's all I had to say that's all I had to say for you to falsely summarize and then the other guy also falsely summarized I never said Forza Motorsport sucks Like, some of y'all self-report about your own insecurity and being in your feelings. You just self-report. It's like somebody says, well, Forza Motorsport over-promised and under-delivered, and you internalize that in your childlike, insecure brain, and you go, he just said Forza Motorsport sucks, and I'm having a good time, so I can't stand for this. It's like, no, it's an objective statement. It's a factual statement. They over-promised and under-delivered. Anybody with a critical eye 
and a shred of dignity and honesty would admit that that game didn't deliver what they said they would. And a show that's supposed to be about a Phil Spencer interview, we've spent 20 minutes establishing basic truths. And I know people are like, well, we're not supposed to argue with the donkey about the color of the sky. It's really difficult when people are tipping money to be like, well, I'm not going to acknowledge what this person is saying. Like, what are you going to do? When when daily people who are here and part of the conversation start saying ignorant things, like, what are we going to do? We're just going to ignore people and be like, well, no, we're not going to we're not going to talk to them. It's part of the conversation, by the way, because a lot of people have hand-waved the problems with Redfall, and they've hand-waved the problems with Forza Motorsport. Why? Because it's Game Pass. And Phil Spencer talked about in the interview, we better do it right. These are people's memories. There's a lot of nostalgia in these games. We better do it right. If we revisit a game, he says that in the interview, we, we better do it right, not just for PR, not just for money. And he says, and we better deliver it. Well, currently, I again, I think it's fair to say this year has been inconsistent in that regard. Hi-Fi Rush, Redfall, Starfield, Forza Motorsport. It's like the car has a flat tire. Like, oh, things are looking good. Kaplunk. Things are looking good. Kaplunk. Like, that's not what you want to see with this rhythm that Phil Spencer's talking about. They're talking about not just taking... Because he's talking about at one point how they've not done the best job like revisiting some of their some of their old franchises. I don't know what game he's thinking about when he says that. I don't know if he's saying that maybe they haven't gone back and revisited enough games. Is he saying we have gone back and revisited and we haven't done a good job when we've done that? I I take it as he's saying we haven't done the best job like reaching back and grabbing old games and like using them and doing good stuff with them. But when he's talking about Activision Blizzard, it's like, oh yeah, we can go back, we can revisit these games. He says, you know, uh, one or two games a year, right? Couple games a year, bringing out remasters, remakes. He says revisit, but we know what he means. So in my mind, it is tangentially related to be like, listen, if y'all can't say a game didn't give what it promised, If you lack that ability, then this is going to be a really, really long couple of years. If you can't be like, well, this is what we were promised and we didn't get it. Like, you should be able to do that. That that inability is just bizarre to me. No one's coming for you if you do that, by the way. I mean, they might on Twitter, but like, nothing really bad is going to happen to you. If you're like, look, man, we were promised this and we didn't get it. Sports and Motorsport nailed it for me personally, especially online multiplayer. But I have way more respect for the people that are like, I'm having fun with Forza Motorsport, but it failed to deliver. It didn't give us what they promised. And then to run to be like, the, the idea that like we're going to justify it by running to a Jim Ryan interview, like that has nothing to do with the conversation. If all you own is an Xbox, who cares what an interview happened from if a guy from Nintendo said something or a guy from PlayStation from said something? Who cares about that? What matters to you, what should matter to you is Xbox. What are they going to give you? What have they been delivering? 
20 spot from Darth Biscuit. Lono equals Fred from Scooby-Doo. Two, no. Hey, you're doing that thing again where you take everything I say out of context. You're trying to make it think like I think Coolsville sucks. No, don't record that. Dark Taco with a gifted member and takes us to 82. Thank you so much, Dark Taco. Inching even closer to 100 gifted members on the day. Promises are meant to be broken. (laughs) Isn't that supposed to be that rules are meant to be broken? I've said from the start I enjoyed I enjoyed it, but Lono's criticisms and others were accurate. We can enjoy things but also be critical of things. I think that's so well stated, Eleven. Like I have been typically I'm more critical of games that I like or I'm enjoying. When I played through Horizon Forbidden West, I was extremely critical of the combat. I felt like they had given way too many of the enemies like a spammy range attack. Like there was, it doesn't, it doesn't, it didn't matter what they were. The most basic enemy could like get far away from you and just be like, and just like shoot at you. Now they fixed this, but the other thing I was very critical of was like how long Aloy laid on the ground. They addressed that in a patch, but it was after I had already beaten the game. If you got like stunned or bumped, she's like, oh, and she fell on the ground. She might as well have taken a nap. It was like, what's going on? Get up off the ground. So, as much as I love Zero Dawn, when I went into Forbidden West, I was disappointed by the combat. I was disappointed by what I hoped to see. There was more of an evolution and more of a of a, of a betterment of the combat. I didn't feel like the combat got better. I feel like it got more like spammy stunlock, right? That That's just my take, okay? I liked Forza. I liked Forza. I liked Horizon Forbidden West, but... I was like, I, I I felt like the combat didn't didn't have as many high points as I hoped that it did. Some of the fights were spectacular. It was usually like the little fights that I found were annoying. I thought the bigger fights kind of delivered more, uh, more punch. Graphically amazing. I thought the story too. I was critical of the story. I thought near the end they kept doing this thing where they were like, "You think you know what's coming?" But ha ha, they kept sucker. They kept like sucker punching me. It was like, uh. You think this is what's going on? Ha ha! And they like pull down, you know, the blanket, and you're like, oh, they did that like like too too many times. Like one or two times is fine. Like it was like four different times near the end. It was like this is what's really going on. And so, I think I'm more critical though of a game that I'm enjoying. So like, if I was a huge Forza Motorsport fan. I would be way more critical. I'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, what? this is not what we were... Th- th- we showed this to us two years ago. It didn't look like this at all. You know? I think, th- I think that's fine. I think that's healthy. I think that's why when Phil Spencer in this interview that he... So he sits down with, the, you know, the Xbox official podcast on this interview and he basically is saying it, it had a similar tone of when he did the kind of funny interview so when he did the kind of funny interview he was very frank and very honest about and this is where I think Forza Motorsport is worthy of criticism so in the kind of funny interview Bill Spencer said I'm paraphrasing we need to be better about 
showing you what it's going to look like on Xbox. And Richard Ledbetter brought this up on Digital Foundry recently. Darth Nihilus with a gifted member. Richard Ledbetter said, don't show us footage that's going to look a certain way if it's not going to look a certain way. Maybe at least say, hey, this is on PC. Captured on PC in a testing environment or whatever. Richard Ledbetter's point was, just show us, like, accurate and honestly, like, what what it is that you're uh, what it is that you're making and Phil Spencer echoed that in the kind of funny interview a couple of months ago where he was like we need to do a better job about like showing you like this is what the game's going to look like do you remember when we were watching some of the Redfall um some of the Redfall gameplay and we're like oh this is PC footage and that was all of a sudden a concern of like are we going to get are we going to are we going to get that on on um on Xbox or whatever and so he does that interview, and so he's, like, talking about that, like, managing expectations. And I felt like even in this discussion that he had on the official Xbox podcast, I feel like he was self-reflecting again when he said, we don't want to do something just for the PR, you know, just for the financial gain, if we can't deliver. If we can't deliver. And I can't help but think, K.Cole Cole with 12 months and a VIP, welcome back. Thank you so much, K.Cole. Cole. I can't help but think, He's referring back to things that they have done. The Xbox showcase in 2022. I feel like that was a big mistake. I feel like they really spoke out of turn. They were like, yeah, here's all these games. Everything you saw in this showcase is coming in the next 12 months. What's the count now? How many games didn't make that? 12 or 13? Like half of the 25 games? Some of them have been delayed all the way until next year. They had Silk Song in their showcase for crying out loud. Right? So I feel like, okay, maybe he's self-reflecting here. Maybe he's saying, we can't keep doing that. Like, remember when they announced Redfall? It was it was very much a PR move. It was like, the folks from Arcane Redfall. Right? It was just like this, oh, they're making a new game. Cool. And it was basically just like a cinematic. And we all speculated that it looked like it was going to be like a class-based game with four players and like vampires and abilities, and we're like, oh, you know, there wasn't much to do other than look at the cinematics and, like, try to guess what the game was going to be like. But that's another example of a game that they announced and leveraged for the PR, and then they don't, then they didn't deliver. So, when I watched this interview, I heard similar threads and tones and frustrations that you know, he. I feel like he was frustrated in the kind of funny interview. I feel like there's elements here where he's just like, we can't do that stuff anymore. And I'll be honest with you, now that they have Activision Blizzard, they really shouldn't need to. They shouldn't need to. Yeah, that was really weird, Dave, that like no, that there were no cinematics in Redfall. All the cinematics in the, in the, in the commercials were incredible. The characters looked awesome, and then there were no cinematics in the game. That was so weird. They they don't need to do that anymore. That's why I said the other day, they don't have any excuse. There's no excuse. You, you have, as a platform, you have more content, more studios, more franchises than Nintendo and PlayStation combined. So, you don't need to do that anymore. We don't need to do this whole thing of, I'll even say this, their showcase this year, they don't need to do that anymore. 
you you should not need to walk out and be like, here's a trailer for a game. When's it coming? <laughs> I don't know. Like, we don't need to do that anymore. I don't want anybody doing that. I don't I didn't like that Sony did it. Skatenator with a gifted member. Thank you so much. Taking it to 84. I I didn't like that Sony did it. I, I'm I'm tired of companies walking out and being like, here's a cinematic trailer. Okay. You have any gameplay? Of course not. When's the game coming? <laughs> you know, uh, sometime. I, I'm. It's it's time to stop that. I would much rather, especially now that Xbox has Activision Blizzard, they should be able to fill the year with enough games, and enough announcements, and enough Game Pass injection without feeling this need to be like. Let's give an example. Let's say next year at the Xbox Showcase, they show a cinematic trailer for Perfect Dark. And we have no idea when Perfect Dark is coming, and it doesn't come out for another five years. That trailer serves no purpose at that point in time. I feel like that's sort of the bygone E3 era where well, we have to show up once a year and we have to shoot all of our guns at once and get all of our property out in front of everybody. It's like, you don't need to do that anymore. Stop overpromising. Start, you know, start just here's what's coming, here's when it's coming. Here's what's coming, here's when it's coming. You don't need to overpromise. You don't need to show me a trailer of Forza Motorsport so that in 2 years when it finally comes out it's nothing like the trailer. There's no reason to do that anymore. Yeah, Shadow Drops. They, I'm telling you, Xbox Game Pass and Activision Blizzard, they can be the king of shadow drops. They can literally, like, almost every showcase be like, and you can play it today! Like, they can do that more than anybody else. More than anybody else. That's power. That PlayStation can't do that. Nintendo can't do that. Xbox can show up to every showcase, every developer direct, and be like, oh yeah, we, uh, we remade Pitfall. And you can play it today. Like they can do that every single time. They have so much. They have so much content. Now I'm not saying they can do that like tomorrow, but I I genuinely believe they can get to the point where every time they show up to do a showcase, they can drop something. Why do you guys hate Xbox so much? It makes me sad. I just I really do feel like some of you guys are I, I I don't have words that aren't insulting. I just think it's pathetic. It's just pathetic. I started off the stream like it's been so fun to cover a variety of topics. We did a bunch of PlayStation. Now I've been doing a bunch of Xbox and we get these sinister people on alt accounts that come in and they try to provoke people to so that they can claim, yeah, they just hate Xbox over there. It's like I I just I think it's pathetic. I really do. We consistently cover Xbox and do not just sit here and hurl hate. You're coming with some ah, you co- you're coming in with some prior narrative commitment that you're projecting onto chat because you either lack the intellectual ability to like engage with people who say things that you don't agree with, you just can't do it. So you just interpret it as hate, so you can dismiss it. It's convenient, right? Well, I, you're like, I can't keep up with these people, so I'm just going to call them haters. Yeah, they're just haters. What? It's like you're either there or like it's just everything's emotional for you. Like just, just turn the temperature down and realize nobody here 
has been hating on Xbox. Like, I did. I avoided a priori. I almost said it. <laughs> I said, a priori? <laughs> I was like, you come in here with an a prior, a prior commitment. <laughs> Your mind's made up before you get here. Any Christmas? Like, look at what happened. Diagnose it. Look what happened. I said that Redfall and Forza Motorsport overpromised and underdelivered, and we spent 20 minutes debating with people who claimed I said Forza Motorsport sucked, but he hasn't played it. And it's like, look, look at that. Look at the, look at the conversational hijacking that bad faith actors and liars can achieve it's so easy it's so easy they just come in what why does Forza Motorsports suck why do you say it sucks I'm having fun it's just like that's not what I said so I either waste time correcting and be like, that's not what I said, or I like get down in the mud with you and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Are you ac- you're actually defending this game? This game didn't do what it said it was going to do. You don't have any standards. And then they climb up out of the mud after they get banned and they're like, yeah, got him. It's like, what the frick? 27 minutes of like virtually nothing but like, eh, man, there's a lot of stuff they can do here. Future's bright for Xbox. You know, we are going to have to wait, but... There's a lot of stuff coming, you know, and it gets turned into, we got to defend Forza Motorsport, DP Sage with 22 months in a VIP, zero steel with five months. Criticism is how you get better. It's no way to shape or form hate. Yeah. I was thinking about this. Uh, I think I might react to a video, uh, from what's his name. He actually seems, he actually seems like a nice guy. Uh, let's see here. Hang on. Somebody sent this to me. D Batch. D Batch put out a video. Xbox needs higher quality exclusives. Right? He was speaking. He was speaking pretty frank. I liked it. I liked this video. But he opened up the video, and there's this idea that there's a bias against Xbox in the media because they get they get they just get they get lower scores just because it's an Xbox game. And I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> I just got done coaching my daughter's soccer team. And if every week we showed up to practice, there was a girl on the team named Susie. There was no girl on the team named Susie. I'm making this up. So Susie shows up every week at practice. And her shoes are consistently untied. And she doesn't move up when I tell her to. Like, the defense is supposed to move up, and she doesn't. She forgets to, and her shoes are consistently untied. Now, if every practice, as well as games, I have to go up to her and say, hey, tie your shoes. Hey, uh, you, you gotta move up. You gotta move up on your own, right? Now, her parents, from the outside, could say, he really has a bias against our daughter. He's, he's more critical. He's overly critical of our daughter no I'm not she's consistently falling short and so she's getting more criticism that to me like with Xbox it's like I don't feel like there's a bias against Xbox I 
feel like their games just have consistently fallen short. And the only way to explain that away is to claim media bias. Like, IGN is biased against Xbox. Uh, They gave Spider-Man an 8. It's getting 9s and 10s. It has a 90 on Metacritic. They gave it an 8. Okay? It's like, the, the idea is that, well, the only... The only reason these scores are lower is because there's like a, a media bias. Like, media bias? Where? I don't see it. Do you criticize PlayStation as much as Xbox? Let me go back to the soccer analogy. If, on that same soccer team, I had another player. And her name was Tiffany. And Tiffany was consistently very good. And her shoes were always tied. And she went where she was supposed to go without me needing to tell her. I'm not going to criticize her as often. Like, that's the frustration. I'm This idea that, well, you're a fake neutral because you don't criticize PlayStation as much. So I'm supposed to, what, dream up criticisms of them and what, lie about interviews from a couple of years ago, like fabricate criticisms so that it's all balanced? So the answer is no. No, I can point you to times where I have been critical of them. I did an entire show where I was critical about them doing time exclusives in Hogwarts Legacy. I've been heavily critical of the Final Fantasy 16 performance mode. I have a whole video about the bad port of The Last of Us to PC. I called it an embarrassment. There was a lack of ownership. Like, why did they do that? They were rushing it because they were worried about the... the Uh, capitalizing on the height of the television show. I was very critical of that. I was critical of the, as I said earlier, the combat in Horizon Forbidden West. I was critical when they weren't going to let people upgrade to Horizon Forbidden West for free after they said that they were going to let people upgrade to Horizon Forbidden West for free. I've been critical of their operating system. I've been critical of PlayStation Plus. I was critical of the price increase of PlayStation Plus uh, Premium when they took away the, um, they, they lowered the discount. I have videos on all of this stuff. And see, I'll point you to all of that, and you'll still walk away and say one of two things. You only do that to appear neutral. So it's like, again, you have this prior commitment of, no, Pony hates Xbox. And I'll be like, here's all the times I've been critical of Sony. Yeah, you only do that to appear neutral. Oh, okay, you got me. You're right. I, I, I don't believe any of those things. You nailed me. Like, okay. Or you'll say you're not critical of them as often. Like, apparently, there's this idyllic form of a neutral. A neutral person is supposed to be every single time I'm critical of Xbox, I have to do the exact same thing. I go, well, I gotta be critical of PlayStation. That's literally not possible. It's not possible to have, like, equal parts. Oh, I did uh, two critical videos of Xbox this month. I better make sure I do two Oh, PlayStation. That's not possible. So, that's why I genuinely don't, like, really push back on that notion anymore. Because it's just, it's a predetermined conclusion. You won't be swayed. It's an unfalsifiable position. I can't change your mind. I'm not an Xbox fanboy. Maybe that will say that I asked a question you're projecting. I didn't say you were an Xbox fanboy. 
the question presumes something. You understand that questions can assert something, right? Like you don't just ask a question and it's like purely neutral. The idea was, well, you don't, you don't, you don't criticize PlayStation. It's like, yes, I do. And I give examples. And nine times out of 10, when I've had this conversation with somebody, that's the way that it goes. It's like whining that people criticize the country fair rides more than the ones at Six Flags. Uh, Okay, think about it this way. Let's say that you're a really big fan of sports games. I'm, I'm not a fan of sports games, okay? Let's say you're a really big fan of sports games, and you're consistently critical of those sports games. And I came to you and said, you're just a hater. You're just a hater. You're not. I don't see you criticizing Fortnite for for microtransactions. I, I don't. I don't see you criticizing you know Genshin Impact for microtransactions. And you would say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. You'd be like, my preferences and my standards are what's determining what I'm criticizing. I'm a big fan of sports games, and so naturally, I'm going to be more critical of them. I don't really play Fortnite. I don't really play Genshin. That would be your comeback, right? Your comeback would be, well, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's my preferences. That's what I like, so that's where my criticism is going to land. And this is where I think people completely misunderstand my frustration with Xbox. They presume, oh, you're just a Sony pony. And then they look up my PlayStation account and they're like, this guy hasn't played any of the classic PlayStation games. Well, of course not. I, I, I'm, a late, I'm, I'm late to PlayStation. My criticism of Xbox is because I was a huge Xbox guy. I bought them first. I was in. I was celebrating. I was pumped for Halo. I was pumped for Xbox this gen. And they've let me down. So just like the fan of sports games that's going to be like super critical of everything those sports games do, talking about their the microtransactions, talking about the pay to win, if you come to that person, you're like, yeah, you're just a hater. You're not balanced. You don't criticize these games over here as much. And it's like, I, they're, they're, I don't play them and I don't care. Or you might come to me and say, well, you're not critical of this game here and you play it all the time. And I would say, well, yeah, they're not doing the things that bother me. They're not doing the things that irritate me. Do you see? So it's like, they're doing the things I wanted. They're doing the things that I, like, I'm annoyed. I'm not getting the things I was promised. I said this in the show open. Phil Spencer in this interview made it crystal clear that the console is just a continued lack of priority. He's like, we're not going to try to convince you to buy a console with um, with Call of Duty. We're, we're, we're you know, we're, we're not, we're not going to do that. And so I say, this just continues to reemphasize that they're moving towards ecosystem. Submodel ecosystem. And that's not appealing to me. What was appealing to me was the marketing in 2020, all the Project Scarlet marketing. That's what appealed to me. I'm not getting that. That's fair to say. That's not hate. It's like it's like getting me into a gym membership and being like, 
we have all these amazing ellipticals and all these amazing tracks we have all these amazing things for cardio and then I come to your gym and after three years the cardio stuff's being ignored it's not in good shape it's not in good quality and you're focusing on heavy lifting and and bodybuilding and and all this other stuff and I'm like but that's not why I came here you're just hating on the no no you got me in with this I'm not getting this you're moving in a direction that I don't find as appealing do you you see what I'm saying like it's like I get people looking to PlayStation and going well I don't really like third person action adventure games so I'm not going to I'm not you know I'm not going to go over there and buy those games and play those games that makes like perfectly good sense to me and, and, and the fact that I'm looking at Xbox and being critical and being disappointed, it literally stems for, man, I was all in with them this generation. You got to go back and you got to watch my coverage. It's like, I literally said that Halo could be an esports giant. I was like, oh man, Halo's back. The ar- arcade shooter's back. This could be big. And it was, it didn't happen. It was very disappointing. That's 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 fundamentally where I land on it. Severin Evans with a five dollar super chat tip. Lona, are you going to play Paper Mario Thousand Year Door or Mario Wonder? I suggest checking them out if you can. Well, I'll be playing Mario Wonder tomorrow. Paper Mario Thousand Year Door? What I've not heard anything about that. I've not heard anything about that. I'm going to make a Stone Cold Serious suggestion. I think you need to buy one of those new NFL helmets for streams like this because of the brick wall is going to injure you. Oh, it's a remake. When did they announce that? That wasn't at the most recent Direct. Was that at the most recent Direct? Because we covered that. You did see it? Oh, it was the... Um, I wasn't familiar with the game because wasn't it like a... It was a DS game or something. It was a GameCube game? I thought it was a remaster of a game. It was a remaster of a game I was unfamiliar with. Because there's a time of Nintendo that I stepped away from Nintendo. I was like, original Nintendo, and then around the GameCube, I started playing on PC. And then after a couple of years of PC, I came back to console with the 360. It's a full Switch remake of a GameCube game. Okay, thank you. I remember that now. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm interested in Mario Wonder. I'm interested in the Super Mario RPG remake. And I'm interested in the Mario Donkey Kong game. Alright. We didn't really talk remakes. Because people can't take any criticism of Forza Motorsport without losing their minds. So, let's talk about Call of Duty. Because this is actually something we haven't talked about yet today. And Phil Spencer's comments. My opinion is Call of Duty for them is just another Minecraft. I believe him when he says we're not going to leverage Call of Duty to try to get you to buy an Xbox console. We're not doing that. They're going to go for 100% parity. Now some people are pushing back and saying well he's talking about Modern Warfare 3. He's he's talking about Modern Warfare Three. He's not talking about the 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 actual Call of Duty franchise. 
You're an absolute unit. Thank you for reminding me to renew my gym membership. Do it, baby. Get in there. Do good work. So I actually believe him. I'm like, I don't think they're going to mess with this. I think it's too lucrative. I think there's too much money. Too much money. Endless Dungeons now available on Steam. Hey, somebody ordered some coffee. Thank you so much. Your first name starts with the letter N. I can't, I, you're supposed to, you can, there's a spot to put your username. So if you want to put your username, I can shout you out for ordering some coffee. Thank you so much. I think they will keep it multi-platform for the revenue that it generates. I played the demo for Mario Wonder. My impression was it's pretty fun, but not worth 60. I'll wait for a sale down the road. Free the COD support studios and let them make their own games, says Jason. Yeah, I've seen some people theor- I mean, my, my producer theorizes that. He's like, they're not going to let this many studios work on one title. We need a reforge IPA. You don't have to deal with the FDA and like food regulations with coffee. I think you do when, once you get into like beer and stuff. It's different. But it would be pretty dope to have a reforge IPA. Taylor made with 17 months in a VIP. All love to the little big homie. Thank you so much. I just don't know what they remake. The Gears trilogy would be cool. So many Activision games are licensed and licenses have expired. Wait, I don't understand, Eugene. So many of the Activision games are licensed and the licenses have expired. So what's that mean? Yeah, Sonic Superstars looks like it didn't get the greatest of scores, but I'm still wanting to play that with my kiddos. Gail Winfor says he's definitely talking about the franchise. He wouldn't have brought up beta access stuff if he was just referring to Modern Warfare 3. Parody is their best option. I did like how he said the little big homie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did like how he said that they, uh, they've been on the other side of like exclusives and timing and skins. And I'm like, Really? You've been on the other side of that, Phil? Huh. That's weird. I remember playing Call of Duty on the 360. And, uh... (laughs) I remember getting stuff earlier. It was pretty sweet. (laughs) I remember getting the Ripper and uh, other maps and stuff. And uh, it was pretty nice. We got them first on Xbox. (laughs) And then you lost the deal. You know? <laughs> Got outbid, which is crazy. How did that happen? <laughs> Look, I'm genuinely curious. No hate, no shade. I am genuinely curious how they let that happen. You're Microsoft, man. How, how'd you lose that deal? They could have kept the Call of Duty deal. And they got to road that forever. Get to road it forever. How did PlayStation do that? I, to this day, I would love to know what was the linchpin. What, what made them lose that deal? Because that seems crazy to me. That pack a month early. Right. Why would you let go of that, man? 
unless they felt like it wasn't maybe it wasn't helping them as much at the time I don't know but that was a golden ticket that that one's shocking to me I'm not even trying to be like they did it first they started it I'm like y'all y'all had some power in your hands I don't know why you let that one slip away Insomniac alone blows Activision out of the water. I mean, that's a really weird comparison. Activision doesn't make those types of games. Like, Insomniac has their own proprietary engine. They build a game for one platform. They have a lot of advantages being able to do that. You know? Activision's focusing on big, large-scale, multiplayer live service call of duty like it's just not even the same i don't know Severin evans with a ten dollar super chat tip i don't put much stock into reviews i know what i like uh i understand for others with less disposable income it's a way to make better purchasing choices but i'm good financially thankfully i just think what gets lost in the the clip sniping because i know that's what that is i know they're all they're all doing it every time I stream because, you know, pathologically stalking somebody is, I, I guess, cool and funny these days. Um, but what was lost in that discussion was you literally don't have to play a game. You don't have to play Tears of the Kingdom or Mario Wonder to know, oh my gosh, this, this game's probably going to, these are going to get nominated. These are great games these games delivered right Baldur's Gate 3 like you don't have to play the game you can you can read the reviews and you can determine an approximation of quality you can and for some reason as soon as we start talking about Starfield or Forza Motorsport all of a sudden reviews don't matter and I'm like wait what we spent the better part of this year talking about Tears of the Kingdom's going to run away with Game of the Year. Baldur's Gate 3 kicks the door in, and we're like, oh my gosh. Historically, look at the Metacritic scores. Historically, look at PC Gamer giving it the highest score they've given a game in like 16 years. Review scores. Oh my gosh. Critical acclaim. And then a game falls below what everybody was saying it was going to hit. Like, review scores really mattered when everybody was like, yep, it's going to be in the 90s, y'all, and then it doesn't happen. Review scores don't matter. What? Why? Why not? Conveniently, they only don't matter to the people who are getting the lower scores. Nintendo, crushing it. Baldur's Gate, crushing it. PlayStation, crushing it. Like, but they don't matter over here. I did, it just seems so silly to me. It just seems so silly to me. You don't need to play Baldur's Gate 3 or Mario Wonder to be like, man, that's good. oh, those games are crushing it. They, they, they really delivered. You're not saying that the game is fun because you haven't played it. You're not saying whether or not the ending is good or the end game design or the content loop or the player incentivization. You're not doing that. You're not making specific qualitative judgments. You're saying, ah, oh, these games delivered. They're, they're good games. Just like sales don't matter until Starfield tops the sales chart. 
Um, when pro football focuses scores, my quarterback's low, they're a bunch of uninformed nerds. When they score my quarterback high, they're mystic gurus of football knowledge. Simple. Some of those games are being bombed. No, they're not. That's not been substantiated. You can't review bomb a game that has 70,000 reviews. It's ludicrous. Ludicrous. You would have to have you you, you again, you've got to you've got to think about it mathematically. You have to think about it mathematically. It would be literally insurmountable to successfully review bomb Starfield. Wouldn't be possible. It's too many reviews. Devin Evans with the $10 super chat tip. Whoa, whoa, let's be fair here. I said to me, I can only speak for myself, not for others. I'm also not saying reviews don't matter. I said I don't put too much stock in them. That's not the same. Right, I was looping back to a conversation from earlier, Severin. It sounded like you were kind of throwing your hat in the ring for that topic. I wasn't saying that you were like those people. I thought you were looping back and being like, I don't really take reviews that serious. Well, that's fine. If you're consistently doing that, then good for you. You and I both know, Severin, review scores mattered a whole lot until literally this week. All year long, we were hearing about review, Metacritic, yeah, man, gonna be dropping in the 90s. Yeah, man, review scores mattered quite literally until this week. Review scores mattered when it was, yeah, Nintendo's winning this year. Everybody likes cheering for Nintendo, right? Because that means the other side can't win. Everybody loves cheering for Nintendo. It was all about Nintendo. And then Baldur's Gate 3. It was all about Baldur's Gate 3. And then this week, all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, review scores don't matter. Huh. You weren't, oh, you weren't here? Yeah, it was earlier in the stream, Severin. No worries. Thanks for the two spot. It's It literally seemed like you were looping back to that conversation. That's what I thought you were doing. Starfield's number 25 on the Steam sales chart today, so why is no one talking about that? Commercial success for a game is an interesting thing to flex when the scores are low. Let's talk about Cyberpunk. Seriously. It was one of the most sold CD Projekt Red games to date. Does that change the reality of its launch date? Do we go back in time and look at the sales charts? Is that what we do? That's fair, right? I mean, Starfield sold well. Starfield sold well. Okay, cool. Is that a repudiation of the disappointment? Is that a repudiation of the scores? 70, 72% gain? Do we do that with Cyberpunk? Cyberpunk had record sales. And the game was so bad, their shareholders sued them. You see, like when you're cons- when you're consistently inconsistent, you're never able to make a good logical point. Like when you're consistently inconsistent, it's like sales don't matter. Why are you guys always checking VG charts? Why are you always checking sales charts? Now all of a sudden, sales matter. Oh, okay. 
Review scores, review scores. Tears of the Kingdom. Baldur's Gate. Spider-Man walks in the room. That is, review scores don't matter. We see consistent low scores for games like Forza Motorsport. We see consistent low scores for Starfield. Like, it's it's basically a 7 out of 10 game, and Forza Motorsport's landing like a 5. And this is why I think it frustrates me, is because instead of saying these games could be better, here's how these games could improve. These games didn't hit the mark. Instead of doing that, it's anybody who didn't give this game a good score is a hater pony shill and it's like the conversation's over now there's no room for an actual dialogue about Starfield's Fallout 5 there's no room for dialogue about that like look at everything they did like this is just not at all the game that we were expecting to get there's no room for dialogue about like Forza Motorsport promised A, B, C, D, and E and none of these things showed up in the game It's like speaking factually, it's like you're a hater. And Starfield's currently number 48 on the sales charts. So we're supposed to talk about how it's in top 25 right now on the sales charts. Somebody just went and checked. It's 48th. So I don't know what kind of math you're doing that, that turns 48 into 25. Starfield's an 8 on con- a 7 on console, it's an 8 on PC. I'm just talking about the user score. When thousands of people score a game and it scores low, we almost always land Oh, in the US it's 30th. So if you restrict the region, Starfield's in 30th place on the sales charts on Steam. Okay, globally, 48th. Regionally, it's 30th. There you go. So when so when Jedi Survivor launches and gets really bad scores on Steam, what what do, do we hand wave that? Do we say that's just haters? Do we say that's just review bombs? No, we say uh, the game runs like garbage. It's bad port. When The Last of Us Part 1 port got bad scores on PC, did did, did did anybody hand wave that? I don't think anybody hand waved that and said, ah, it's just a bunch of haters. N- no. People said, what was this pile of garbage? Why did you use Iron Galaxy? They're the people who failed to port a- a- a Batman Arkham Knight uh, successfully. Like, but for some reason, these two games in particular, it's like the review scores are not indicative of the quality at all. They, they, they're, they're false. These are eight out of, these are nine out of ten games. These are excellent games. The reviews aren't true. I, I, I don't get it. When you're consistently inconsistent, it's like I, I don't know which way's up. It's like I, I've never once looked at review scores and thought, yeah, man, 70,000 people reviewed this game. It's got a 72%. Yeah, these people are liars. This is an award-winning game. There's a bias. Starfield was fine. 100 hours of entertainment. Cool story. Fun stuff to do. 8 out of 10 is the fair review. No, 8 out of 10 is your review. That's your review. Like, somebody can come to a completely different conclusion than you. 
and be like, that's like a seven. I I give it a seven. I'm not going to sit here and say your score is unfair. I'm going to say that's your score. You enjoyed stuff that I didn't enjoy. You had a better time than I did. You either overlooked or weren't bothered by the things that bothered me. So when 70,000 people weigh in on something and say 72%, 20,000-something-odd people weigh in on the Xbox Store, 72%. That's very consistent. Completely different sample sizes. 20,000 people reviewed it on Xbox. 68,000 last I checked. So let's just round that up to 70. 70,000 versus 20,000. Like, one is almost quadruple the sample size, and yet the score is the same. What what do we conclude? (laughs) What do you do when you go to Rotten Tomatoes and the review outlets give the movie like a 70? and 10,000 people that have seen the movie and it's landing at like a 95. What do you typically conclude there? You're like, I'm probably going to like this movie. The audience is loving it. The critics, for whatever reason, were were either either got this one wrong or they were overly critical or whatever, whatever the heck happened. That's commonly happened, right? We've all had that experience with movies. You're like, you go to Rotten Tomatoes and you're like, man, this thing's getting a 72% from the review outlets and then like 20,000 reviews hit and it has like a 90 and you're like, oh, this, this, this is probably pretty good. When the opposite happens and the review outlets are giving it like an 80 or a 90 and the audience goes and sees it and it has a 70, what are you going to conclude? Ooh, I don't know. Are you going to see those reviews? I'm like, yeah, these people are haters. They're haters. They're review bombing it. 70,000 people? Do you know how many people you'd need to successfully review bomb? Doesn't even make any sense. It's an 8 out of 10. That's the fair review. That's the review on Meta on Open. Jake, why do you give more merits to hand-picked review outlets and not 70,000 people that played the game? Actually, let's just 90. Between Xbox and Steam, you roughly have about 100,000 people that have reviewed it. You think, no, I'm going over here. What? You can have a guy that doesn't like game, racing games review Forza Motorsport. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Typically, the review outlets have somebody who likes the games, like they like fighting games, racing games, FromSoft games, Souls games, whatever. They have them play the game. Like, having me review a sports game would be a waste of time. Like, I would be like, uh, football helmets are shiny. Uh, like, I wouldn't know what to say. A lot of people in chat feel it's an 8-2. Put a poll up. What what would the poll, what purpose would the poll serve? That a bunch of people that tuned into an Xbox stream like Starfield? There's 608, there's 680 people here. It wouldn't prove anything. The people that bought the game, poured hours into the game, reviewed the game, it's landing at a 72% consistently. To be fair, the review bombers are the best of the best nowadays. I, what do you mean? 
what do you mean they're the best of the best? Do you think they're like organizing some grassroots movement of review bombing games? The consensus of the larger and more diverse sample size is mathematically more representative of the actual score. Agree. We lean blue here? No, we do not. No, we do not. You know what's funny is the last couple times that's come up, I have a ton of PC people that chime in that are like, whoa, 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 I'm not I'm not a PlayStation guy. I'm not they're like, I'm not a PlayStation guy. They're like, I'm a PC guy. We have a very, very mixed community here. We've got people that love PC. We've got people that love PlayStation. We have people that love Xbox. Anybody who tells you we lean blue here, it's very interesting. My PlayStation streams perform lower than the Xbox streams consistently. Nintendo does better than it used to. Nintendo used to be the hardest. For a long time, I couldn't cover PlayStation because most of my audience was Xbox. And then now it's hardest for me to cover Nintendo. It's pretty even, but Xbox still does better for me. Why? I still have a remnant of Xbox people that watch the show and sub to the channel. Why? Because that's how I grew my audience initially was with the Xbox crowd. I played, I played Destiny on Xbox. So still, to this day, I've been streaming on this particular channel for three years. I still pull more weight with Xbox coverage. I do. Why? Because I, I have a greater percentage of, of Xbox people here. Like, if you broke it down to, like, 33, 33, and 33%, it would be more like 40% of the audience is Xbox, and then, like, PC and PlayStation splits. There's not really, like, a Nintendo audience that hangs out here. I think a lot of you also play Nintendo, but it's like a 40, 30, 30. I still have more people here that, that would consider themselves, like, Xbox gamers more than PlayStation and PC. Seriously. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm a Nintendo Switch only fan. There's not a lot of people like that. Not here. There are. There's a lot of people like that in the world, but not here. The clickbait titles help. That's not me being rude. No, it's not you being rude. It's you being inaccurate. What's an example of a clickbait of a clickbait title that I've used? Give me an example, and then. Explain why it's clickbait. Because clickbait is you clickbait somebody with this and then you don't give it to them. That's what clickbait means. Clickbait traditionally referred to people that were like, oh my gosh, I'm going to blow up this pumpkin. And then you tune in and they're not doing it. They're like talking about the weather. They never do what's on the thumbnail. They never do what's in the title. Reforge put his boobs in the thumbnail. Yeah, my my thumbnails are always very just descriptive. Phil just said a lot, right? I, I feel like he just said a ton. He said a ton of things about Call of Duty. He said a ton of things about Game Pass. He said a ton of things about the potential of like remakes and remasters. Like I feel like he said a lot. We've wasted a ton of time engaging with people that have to defend Forza Motorsport and Starfield as if their life depends on it. We've spent more time doing that because... The Xbox crowd doesn't seemingly, I mean, not the Xbox crowd, the super Xbox loyal, like, they just can't do it. They just come in and disrupt. It's like they can't take it. A clickbait title would be like Phil Spencer interview, Xbox ruins Activision, question mark, question mark, right. 
I mean, I, I'm always open to that. Like, if you think I'm clickbaiting, it baits a click. No, not today. So you mean I make thumbnails and topics that do their job? Like, it's like that moment in The Princess Bride where he's like, you keep using that word. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Like, clickbait doesn't mean creating, like, a mystery gap and getting people to clip. Uh, click. Like, if I made a thumbnail that said, Phil Spencer said what? That creates this mystery and you click. You're like, what did he say? And then you come in and I'm talking about what he said. That's not clickbait. Clickbait would be Phil Spencer, um, I don't know. I'd, you'd, I'd have to make something up. It'd have to be not true. It, it's, it's, it's misrepresentative. It's like, it's like, Phil Spencer did this and this and this, and you come in and I'm like, no, he didn't do those things. I was just trying to trick you to click. That's like clickbait is traditionally, it's like, yeah, it's a bait and switch. It comes from the term bait and switch where you're like, again, they would use a thumbnail of like a woman sitting there reporting the news and like a super low cut shirt. And then you click on it and you're like, that's not in the video. That's a clickbait. There has to be a switch, uh, a bait and switch. That's where the term comes from. Now I think people use clickbait to just be like, oh, well, that was a provocative title and it got me to click. But that, that's not what that is. Does that make sense? Like using a provocative title to create like a mystery or like, a, oh, what's he going to talk about? What's he going to say? That's not clickbait. It isn't. And listen, listen, listen. We're super close to 100. Let me give you guys a member count. We might have actually hit uh, 2,500, especially with mine. We are at 2,445. We're 55 away. And I currently, if this can hit 100, I will owe you 20. So with my 20, you guys need about 35 more members. If you can hit 2,500 before Friday night, I will do a scary stream on Friday night as well. I'll do one next week with Madam, but... Tomorrow's going to be a tough day to push the members because I'm going to be playing Spider-Man 2 and then and then, and then then Super Mario Wonder. So if you guys want to scramble, you got about 12 minutes to do that scramble. I have a video about Mario Brothers Wonder, and then we're going to hang out with members and stuff and do like the debrief in the writer's room and, uh, and all of that. Clickbait is usually a misleading title to get people to click the video or article. Right, there's a spectrum of clickbait, right? There's a spectrum. Sometimes it's misleading. Like, they, they, they claim something in the title or the thumbnail that just simply isn't true. Traditionally, clickbait was... They put something on the thumbnail that doesn't even exist in the video. Like I said, like, traditionally, for the longest time, there were always those thumbnails of, like, the woman at the news desk and her shirt was really low-cut. And it was... It was it, everybody was using it for a while as, like, a joke. It became a meme to like use that thumbnail. Well, YouTube started cracking down, and they're like, "No, if you're gonna do that, we're you know we're gonna we're gonna flag the video, and we're not gonna put it in the search funnels, and we're not gonna not gonna put it in recommend funnels." Uh, I wonder. There we go. Um, where's my thumbnail? There it is. Once again, I'm asking you to buy yourself a football helmet in which you can protect yourself from streams such as this. 
Nova hands with 23 months. Imagine if PlayStation 5 owners vehement, vehemently, vehemently, I always struggle with that word, vehemently defended Forspoken the way some fans are defending Starfield and Forza. Sincerely, a longtime Xbox supporter. Thank you for 23 months, Nova. Yeah, this is why I love the invocation and the and the inclusion of people saying, well, what about Gran Turismo? What about Gran Turismo 7's Metacritic score? Huh. Imagine that. Imagine a game launching, being disappointing, being in a bad state, and the users having standards, complaining, criticizing, and it helps the game improve. What a concept. What a concept. It has like a two-something on Metacritic from the users. Go to the Gran Turismo 7 store now on the PlayStation, and it has like a 4.2 It's amazing what can happen when the users revolt and push back and criticize. Now, let's contrast that to Forza Motorsport. Forza Motorsport mysteriously has this amazing score from the review outlets. Maybe not amazing. It's a good score. Good scores from the users. And then I go to the store. Really low score. What's going on there? It's like the opposite Like the opposite. See, it's amazing what happens when instead of just defending the game, you say, no, this is below our standards. And then the game gets fixed. A five bomb from Outsider. What did I just do? I bought my other mouse. 89 members on the day. Super close to 100. A single gifted right now. We'll set up the 10 bomb layup. Thank you so much for doing that. Hang on. I'm setting this up. And boom. Broken surprise hit eight months in a VIP. It was perfectly fine on launch. They introduced a stupid patch that got rightfully shredded and they reversed it pretty quickly. Right. The point is, is that the low score on Metacritic for Gran Turismo 7 represents exactly what we've been talking about today. When you have standards and you hold a game to those standards, you get improvement. You get betterment. And the idea that I can't say this game overpromised and underdelivered, like that's that's a problem. It's I I I don't know what to say. It's like, well, then we I guess we can't talk about any games on that side. Alex sets up a single. That's the layup to 90 out of a hundred. Thank you so much, Alex. This man, oops, this guy has been absolutely instrumental today thank you so much alex and that's tomorrow oh there it is (laughs) the 10 bomb from alex but not to be outdone the agent of chaos comes in outsider with a single and takes us to 101 i now owe you guys 25 if you guys are going to try to hit 2,500 before tomorrow, I owe you 20. Let me give you a total in just a second. Let me give you a total in just a second. I've got to, I've got to, uh, I've got to fiddle with the premiere here because if we do these in a certain way, I don't obliterate your notifications. You guys were getting way too many notifications from me. YouTube made like a really, really good change. But the good change was resulting in you guys getting just 
way more notifications than you're supposed to get. So we've made some adjustments. 2462. My 20 will take us to 2482. We are 18 away from 2500. Let's slam that out in the next seven minutes. And then you can secure two Fright Night streams. I'll do one tomorrow and then we'll do one next week with Madam as well. They increased credit payouts on races. That was the complaint. My SC comments, please. Your opinion. What were your SC comments? Hang on. Where? William Lewis. There's a bunch of gifted members shoving it out of the chair. Oh, I'm sorry. $5 from William Lewis. Video game clickbait articles are like headlines that say game sales are ranking out of the top 20. You pull up the article and it says sales in UK. Thank you for the $5 super chat. Did I miss any other super chats? If I miss any super chats, gifted or re-ups or messages, I apologize. Uh, I'm doing the best I can. Got a little fiery today. Uh, thank you for the two spot, the $2 tip to remind me, William Lewis. Sorry about that. That was the primary issue. Post-launch, they decreased the race payouts, introduced microtransactions, and they got shredded for it. Ethius says, 18's no problem, and he contri- Whoops. He contributes five to the total. 106, thank you so much. Stone Spire hit six months in a VIP. Love this community, great content. Don't forget, if you want to see the new content, upgrade to member plus. Thank you, Stone Spire. That takes us to 107 from Angry Pete. He's throwing his hat in the ring. So that 18 just got lowered by six, which means we now need 12. Quick maths. I know chat runs fast. You good? Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Big day. Yeah. We got five minutes. The Alan Wake's going to be so great next week. I think that's the game my wife and I will play next week for Fright Night. And then tonight, I've got like a portable mic that I can use for a VR game. It should be hysterical. Make sure you're here tonight as a member. And as Stone Spire just said, if you got a gifted member today, you can upgrade for a dollar to Member Plus and be a part of the extra segments that we now do. Uh, That's a great way for you to get out of the gifted member pool. It makes space for people that cannot afford a membership. So if you're like, hey, I can afford my own membership, you could upgrade right now for a dollar. And you do get extra content. For the longest time, we weren't doing anything extra for Member Pluses, so we added a brand new segment called the writer's room you never heard betterment never heard betterment used before didn't realize it's a real word there's my learning for the day yeah betterment for the yeah for the betterment of the game for the betterment for the betterment of your soul yeah a gifted member from William Lewis thank you so much a gifted member from uh, Dark Taco and Javier Cotto secures secures Fright Night all by himself and he takes us to 129. Javier Cotto once again, him and Alex carrying the stream on their back. I now owe you 25 members and I will do it in the premiere. We're going to get ready to go to this premiere. It's a Super Mario Brothers Wonder roundup of reviews, but I I address something in this video that you're not going to want to miss. I address the people saying that a 2D game shouldn't be full price, which is ridiculous. I actually address that in this video. So, make sure you don't miss out. We're going to be going there in three minutes. We're going to be going there in three minutes and watch that together and then hanging out together in uh, a debrief after four members uh, 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 I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the tweet ready for this 
the Mario Wonder Review Roundup. I'll give you guys a link in chat as well. You're going to want to see this because I comb over a lot. I look at like what John Linneman is saying. I look at what a lot of the review outlets are saying. And I, uh, it's good. It's good. It's a very, it's a very, very concise video. And uh, it's excellent. If I do say so myself. And I, like I said, I address the issue of a 2D game should not, you know, be full price or whatever. You know, I think that's, again, I think that's absolutely uh, a ridiculous claim. And we look at the scores, and we even look at one of the scores that didn't do quite as well uh, as another. So we're going to go there in two minutes. Oh, I don't think I've set up redirect yet. That would be bad. Let's set that up so that redirect works. We want to we send you guys over to the video. I'm going to get a Switch for Zelda and then announce a Switch 2 and wonder if I'm definitely holding out for the 2. By that logic, VR should be 3,000. I'm not sure what you're saying. PC guy here, but I'm a weird PC player. I buy games where they're the cheapest, not only on Steam. I love God of War on PC, but I thought Horizon was awful. Starfield was fun, but after 100 hours, boring. I don't think you hitting 100 hours and, and, and deciding that it was boring is like indicative of Starfield's quality. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I, if you made it that far and then got bored, I would say that you probably had a pretty good time and then you got bored. Does that make sense? Because I think there are people who are genuinely pouring hundreds of hours into Starfield and they're having a great time. I don't think that they're like lying. I think they genuinely are enjoying it. I think there are people that just love the Bethesda charm. They just love those types of games. I think there's a lot of people out there talking about how great it is and they've, you know, put five hours into the game. I mean, I th- there's, there's obviously all kinds. So I'm going to put a link in chat. Do me a favor. Smash that like button. We don't even have 400 likes. I didn't really focus on it. We, I think we had a lot of hate watchers today, as evidenced by some of the, some of the the caustic, you know, super chats and some of the nastiness. But hey, we got rid of some of those guys, and we still, I think, had a great conversation. So smash that like button before we leave, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna redirect you, so you can click the link in chat, or you can go watch it as the featured video on the channel. And I will see you guys over there. I'm gonna go over there and gift 25 members. I'll see you over there in this premiere about Mario Wonder.